2: At Brown and Crouppen, we fight for justice every day. If you want some, call 222-2222, because at Brown and Crouppen, justice is our business. Rise and shine,
3: St. Louis. It's the Brown and Crouppen Morning After on KPN-TFM HD2, Collinsville, St. Louis. At the Morning After STL on YouTube and on TMASTL.com
4: with Tim McKernan, Doug Vaughn, Iggy Strode, The Plowboy,
1: and Action Jackson.
5: Hey, no, no,
4: say it again. Oh,
1: hello.
5: That's not Tim. Oh, but we are on air. Okay. So
1: it's one work.
4: step
5: better than yesterday. Yeah.
4: Okay.
0: Progress. I tested him this I morning. I thought was. for
5: sure he'd be back today. Yeah, me tested. too. This morning. I walked in today no. expecting to see him just sitting yeah. in here. You what? know, I know the listeners don't want to hear this. We're not even halfway through his vacation.
4: Oh, Oh. oh. What will we
5: do? What will we do? Now, after today's show, we will be over the halfway point of Timmy coming back.
0: Well, that's good. You know what we're going to do today, Doug? What? Broadcast. Okay. Blind. Like the Dickens, indeed. Blind.
4: All right, let's start broadcasting. <laughs>
0: All right, let's bring it the heat. Uh, this is the morning after, and it's presented to you by Brown and Crouppen. You're listening to the Munganass 7 o'clock hour. That's Munganass St. Louis Acura. That's Munganass Burkhardt and toyota that's where you get your whips Mm -hmm. and this is where i get my co-host right here in this room i got douglas elvin vaughn to my right across the dais from me separated but by the the board that caused us some issues yesterday is darren the plowhawk atkins who is removing his cardigan oh so it's a
5: little warm it's weird warm in
0: here yeah i kind of i like it i'm this right here is my temperature Mm -hmm. and then to my left is ken iggy strode Nobody is in the Segment C6 Studios. I describe oh. it as unmanned, Doug. Well, an how unmanned do get by? post.
4: How does the show stay on the air?
0: How does it stay on the air? Because yeah. uh, the Plowhawk has fingers—ten mm. of them, in fact. No oh, fingers, Finger, Plowhawk. And yeah. they work uh, in unison to get us on the air.
4: But he is compromised because he has recently swigged a big jug of Nyquil. Yeah. Ah. So Plowhawk,
0: yeah. I came in here to turn on the YouTube stream, kind of get settled in to broadcast today. And I say, how you feeling there, Plowsy? How you doing? And he said, well, you know, I woke up. I didn't feel great. Sore throat. Sore throat, just not feeling good. And he said, I thought I took DayQuil, but it turns out, in fact, I took NyQuil.
5: Mm. That four in the morning, just wake up, hangover, it's literally worse than a hangover. you like just patting on the counter.
0: Dark as, because oh, your yeah. lovely fiance is asleep, Madison. She has
5: passed out, so I'm creeping through. Now passed out's different than sleep, I think at that point you're passed out. If you got three knocked, hours I left it- and you're five hours in, oh, you're passed the f out. Yeah, that's bro. REM sleep. Know.
0: That's REM sleep. Nonetheless,
5: sleep. I made the mistake of having like both of them taste the same. because I got the menthol version. I was wondering mm. why they were half price at Walgreens. Yeah. They're terrible tasting, but they do the work nonetheless. So I couldn't tell until I turned on the light and like you know I looked and it was a hefty swig of the NyQuil. It's probably so it feels like I took like a couple Ambien. Now I'm kind of just hanging out with my boys. <laughs> <laughs> Fight, just, up, fighting <laughs> fighting the demons.
4: Just in general, I'd say it's not a good idea to take a bunch of medicine in the dark.
5: I, I mean, typically I'm good at, you know, finding things in the dark because, you know, we, ha- we, we play things in the appropriate manner, so they're always in the same spot. It just, oh, It's just something that happens, and here we are, and it's like bubble guts, you know, that feeling? Like, oh. Oh, I hate that feeling, man. And you might fall asleep on us, too. No, I, I, I can... You're,
0: you got I can a... 16.9 fluid ounces of, of Coca Cola Classic okay. right there. That's got probably, uh, got I don't know, probably, I don't know how many milligrams of caffeine you think are in that bottle of Coke right I, there. I don't know. And I then got you're got talking it. about yes, the honey
5: so. bun that are nestled in there. You know, the crumb so, scraps. Oh, they, you got a whole box yeah, of okay. things in there. So, right. snacks are so plenty. Just something that happens and you just move on and. You know, I'm feeling better, so I think that's good. You know, at least the medicine is working yeah. in that aspect. Oh,
4: gosh, yeah.
5: So there's 34
0: milligrams in 12-ounce can. Do you want to try to do that for a 16-ounce bottle, or oh is that God. too much math?
4: Four, too so much. Give it another quarter. Uh, so another eight. <laughs> another...
0: So we'll go. Let's just let's just call it forty milligrams, just to be safe. You got about forty milligrams of caffeine right there. Okay. If you need more, Plowhawk, just let us know. We'll get you. We'll get you going.
5: No, I'm good. Like, I'm good. All I'm right.
0: Just... Well, feel free to text in, folks, on the Jeff Lottman text inbox. You don't
5: think you're going
4: to get the meat sweats, do
5: you? <laughs> Dude, the, like not the meat sweat, but it's like it would be if like that was the the illness it would be like a tummy because yeah. the, the bubble guts is like stage one, right? Okay. I don't want your meat to start sweating. <laughs> no, well, that's why I took off the cardigan, anyways. All right. I don't know if I know what that term means. I don't use it a ton. <laughs> I don't know if I'm I thinking about it more yeah. closely. I don't know if I know what that means.
0: It's meat sweating. Wow. Because
5: <laughs> I know. Wow. Yeah. Good. Text
0: in on that on the Jeff Lottman text inbox. That's 314. That's 881. That's TMA5. Now, the phone lines that they dug going to be difficult because there's no one manning the bank of phone lines.
4: Well, we don't get a lot of calls anyway.
0: <laughs> that is true. We haven't gotten a, very many calls since Mr. Licks, I think, called in on Friday. Yeah. Uh, but if you do want to call in, text into the Jeff Lobb and text inbox. Say, hey, I'm going to call in and me or Plowhawk will kind of, I can kind of look at the phone bank from where yeah. I'm sitting here. And then we can try to get you on hold. Uh, but if not that, email in for the design air, heating and cooling email today. That's the morning after at InsideSTL.com. It's coming up at 945. What, what's the phone
4: number if someone did want to call? Perhaps Six.
0: we should repeat it. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll say it slower, too. Okay. 636-900-4TMA. Oh. And that TMA would be 862. So 4862. Okay. That's how you call into the phone lines, but first text into the Jeff Lopman text inbox, and we can, we can see okay. that you're going to... Now, if you, if you start pump-faking us, you know, it's going to be Boy Who Cried Wolf, and we're no longer look at the phone lines. That that's already? just going to
4: ruin the program for the rest of the listeners, and that's not cool. So you're saying text-ins to say, I'm about to call, and then you call in. If you would, you know, like
0: okay. if, if if I were to call you, Doug, I would text you. Hey, Doug, do you mind if I, I
1: hop on a you call would? with
0: you? Well, well, I don't, I don't, I don't like, think I, I don't think I've ever called you, but no
1: people do it all asked. the time. They call in and say nobody's answering the phone, which they're lying, but they do text in and say they're trying to call. Do you shows? Sometimes,
5: yeah. Do you shows lying? Go, man, we got a full deck of phone calls. <laughs> mm, they show, because like, we say that and I, we've never had like a full, full, bank, full bank unless and there's call. a girl in here or less. That great cardinal giveaway we did—that remember that cardinal trivia? <laughs> like,
0: Who's number six? <laughs> Who's <the Box> 12, <laughs> if
5: you can send me that, I'd like to put that in the best of when that was. I think
0: I we might—I think it might be in there because I there? think okay. that's the. Uh, ball ball what, what would Doug say? Uh, clear the
5: lines. Oh, clear well, the that... lines. Wipe them clean. That's how it shows you how much
1: I listen after I leave here. Oh. Maybe VIP pack and Colin. I'd like to talk to him.
5: Oh yeah, nice drama. What's he up to? I don't know. Stirring controversy. Why would you want family? to talk to him?
1: Oh, we haven't talked to him in a while. He seems to have a lot to say. I'd love to talk to
4: him. What's he talking about? I don't know.
1: We'll see if he calls in. Very cryptic, Doug.
5: VIP pet. You know, from uh, Normandy, which is now closed for the year or two years. Are they still having play out there or is it just... Oh, no. no. God, I could not imagine the shape that place is in right now.
0: Well, I they're working. Norman, they're Norman working Norman towards. Yeah, I mean, they're like, working towards a
5: greater project. I think for that project, it's got to get worse before it gets better. That kind of how I would say that's ours. most
0: construction projects, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. when you start destroying drywall and <laughs> mm-hmm. you start taking down big parts of land, those cart
5: paths were just shoulder burners, man. You're just bopping around, bopping around. That'll be a nice. That'll yeah. be
1: taken care of. I mean, I think last I heard was spring of 2025, possibly.
5: I bet that's going to be pushed back. I just always feel like that's a lot of... I don't know. It's
1: short. been a nice winter. So, you know, they've had all winter to continue to work. If it had been really cold and snowy, they couldn't, but it's been a nice winter, so they've gotten a lot of work done this winter. I'm man. I haven't been by there, but...
5: That's what I'm saying. I haven't been by
1: there. No. But I'm going to bother today just to see what they're doing. I have a lot of
4: respect for people that can look at a giant project like that and think that this is the earth that needs to be moved and we'll yeah. cut these trees down and we'll put a huge green there and 18 holes like that. It is a project.
5: Yeah, it is impressive. It's like an architect. It's like, I couldn't do any of that.
4: The, those guys that run the tractors and move the earth around, those are six-figure jobs. Those are big-time jobs. There's oh, only a yeah. few that can do it really well. Oh, my God, yeah. They say yeah. the same, the same uh, small fraternity of people do it all over the country. Yeah,
5: those small companies can pick and choose which golf courses they want to redo or rebuild. Yeah,
4: yeah. But there's really an art to that. They really got to know what they're doing.
1: And then my friend Gary Young did it, and he didn't even know how to do it. Gary Young. <laughs> Yeah, Gary Cruz. He's got two last names. Got it. Well,
4: now um, how does that work?
1: Is it hyphenate? Cruz-Young? Young Cruz? I don't know. Young sometimes he calls himself Cruz and sometimes he calls himself Young. I don't know. I don't know what the thing is. It's it's like an per- alter ego?
5: Tax purposes. I, I Whitaker? with Arthur. he
1: had a stepdad, too at the time. I don't know. But he just jumped on an earth mover and got it mean, done. My, my dad got us a job at <laughs> Husman Refrigeration. Husman. When they were on strike and we were scabs.
4: <laughs> Here me. comes the Huffman story again. You were,
5: wasn't it the first and only scab time? I... Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. How many
0: times have you crossed the picket line?
5: Then,
1: then got... I became a shop steward. So. Wow. Um, You're both sides of the union. But when we all came in for the first day, guy said, Does anybody know how to drive a forklift? And, uh, and Gary goes, I do. I said, you don't know how to drive a forklift. He goes, I'll learn. So he had the easy job. He dropped a couple of refrigerators first, but he, they let him keep doing it. And then he learned how to do it. Where we had to blow up uh, big pillows to put them between the refrigerator, He just sat there on his ass all day, did nothing. So he lied that he could do it. And then when he learned how to do it, he had the cushiest job ever. Scam artist. <laughs> Doug did
5: that. We told this story a bunch. You knew how to edit video, but you really didn't.
1: No, shoot it. Shoot it. Yeah,
5: there you, yeah. There you go. Well, you had a Rochester. I, I, I
4: did know how because I'd been trained in college. I just hadn't done it in Rochester. And when Miami said we're looking for a sports photographer, I said, Well, sure. I would say on sure.
0: on the scale of of lying about jobs you can do on a resume, shooting a video would be pretty low. Like that's yeah. that there's a pretty easy way to learn how you to do you it. You talk
4: about being able to learn to do something quickly. Yeah. There I mean there is an art. The ones that are sure. good takes years to learn. Absolutely. But just to get the thing turned on and to get an image it doesn't take a, yeah. a rocket science. White degree. balance, Doug? Yeah, we had to white balance back then. That was the hardest thing to remember to do that.
0: Otherwise, your video would look weird.
4: Yeah, it would look green or blue. Zoom all the way in on the white shirt, hit white balance, and then zoom out and start your shooting. Mm, Forklift and earth
0: mover are not the same thing. That's from Jonathan Mardukas. No.
1: No, it's not, but it's still levers and things you have to be able to pull up and pull down and turn around and things like that.
4: Whoever invented the forklift was really thinking. The wheel is still the best
5: invention, the wheel. Now you're going way back. I I know. (laughs) How about fire? Yeah. But think about how, like, immovable some of those objects were, and then the wheel came, Uh. and it changed everything.
0: Iggy sounds a little banty this morning. It's almost as if he has been reading the fan page. That's from
1: Curtis Sanford's Greasy Five Hole. Uh. No, I'm not. Somebody yesterday did send me a screenshot of something, and... You know, if it's something that, that is calling me out on something that's not true, they will send it to me. But other than that, I don't see the fan page. Okay. But something I, VIP ask, Pat did. And I don't ask people. to. it's well, stuck in your crawl. I don't uh, ask, Figure <laughs> it out. I don't ask I'm not going to figure anything out. I don't ask people to send me things. But if they do, I what am I going to do? Delete it? I just read it. Okay. And they were just looking out for me, so anyway, yeah, I'm re-watching, because um, I haven't seen it since it went off Different the air. Different story now. Well, there's nothing to talk about the okay, other one. Okay, all right. But we're talking about moving Earth. And I watched it when it was first on, and I stopped watching it after, like, season eight. But Gold Rush.
5: Oh, yeah. I'm big into that Boy, in these, college.
1: These idiots. I don't know. They, 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 a whole year, and they, we got two ounces of gold. Um, but these guys that move that, they get there in the winter, and they got to move all the permafrost, like, 12 feet of permafrost in the snow and they're in these big forklifts and not forklifts, but earth movers and D10s and just to watch them digging a 20-foot hole. You know, well, and it's just one just very easy, <laughs> just like pulling their hands and a little over here, a little over there. Look at those hand motions, Doug. They were nice. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not like your... <laughs> You know, it's just like little... They're using like fingers to do it. <laughs> yeah. What's going on? So, I've, it's fascinating to watch those guys do it. I'll
4: tell you another good invention, the crane. Hey! Not a bad one at all. You think that that you can take that up, uh, how many hundreds of feet into the air, mm-hmm. lift up absolutely anything, no. move it around like it's nothing. Yeah, another I mean, great invention. We were talking
0: about cameras. You can put the camera on the crane,
4: and now you just well, opened sure you up can. a whole world of cinematic art. I assume that was invented by Bob Crane of Hogan's Heroes fame. It has to be Ben Crane. He
1: used to be a golfer. Yeah, one that hasn't uh, that wasn't invented not that long ago because I remember as a little kid. At my grandparents' house, they had the push lawnmower with the little blades. Yeah. They invented the electric lawnmower. mm uh-huh. I just can't.
0: I just, I simply cannot. <laughs> See you next Monday. Thanks, Iggy. Oh, That's from Jonathan Mardukas. Oh. I'm not talking anything different than everybody else has brought up. Oh, God. Why is it always me?
4: I don't know. <laughs> uh, here, how about this?
0: Whoever invented the for- forklift was really thinking, this is at 719 a.m. Mm-hmm. Almighty Tim, pray for us. That's from the <laughs> 618.
4: I just like to tip really my
6: hat yeah. to
1: the
5: forklift inventor.
1: Doff it. Right. You like to doff your cap. I cat. went
5: way beyond. I thought the wheel...
1: That's, hey, that's where you're yeah. at. Well, oh, that, was, yeah. uh, that was a mistake, though. They didn't even know what they were inventing.
4: What, the wheel? Yeah. How do you know that was a mistake?
1: he just had some round thing, and then he started rolling it. Ooh. Uh, maybe it wheel, wasn't a mistake. He just, rea- oh.
4: he just realized what he had.
1: Yeah, but he didn't make it for that. He just... You don't know. Well, neither are you. You weren't there. Oh, well, but I
4: assume they were smart enough to stay alive back so then. So the PC doesn't
1: hey, work. Well, for here. like eight years. Right? We're
5: going to have a tough time. Well, that's a problem. Yeah.
1: I think the average age back then was like 10
5: Oh, that couldn't have
1: been. What about that hmm. thing they made to cultivate all the wheat? What's it called, a sickle? Like the well, actual a, the stick no, the, and the, the blade you, The blade. thing you ride and the blade Combine? Just combine and it throws the wheat into yeah, the...
4: Another fabulous invention, for back sure. Back then
1: you just have yeah. to pick it by hand. It would, sometimes you go in winter without wheat because you right. didn't have time to do it. Oh, the cotton gin, another one. I'm concerned that we're going to run out of inventions by 10
0: a.m., <laughs> <laughs> Text on in your favorite inventions. Big Tuff Taz. He's got the wheel, the crane, french fries, and the Sibian in his Mount Rushmore. Tuff didn't deny. Now, the most
4: important invention ever was the printing press Gutenberg. 1440. Yeah. Where we could share information. It, it,
0: it revolutionized. It made yeah. us a civilized society.
4: Instead of everybody having to learn everything brand new on their own. Yeah, it changed. Could share information. That is,
0: in modern history, you'd have a tough time arguing anything as well. The important. Romans did that. The Romans?
4: No, no I mean, they then.
0: might have invented some sort of singular printing press, but Gutenberg, you were able to mass-produce information with the printing press that Gutenberg invented. So like that he was, used to
1: print out pamphlets about Caesar and then pass them out in the square. Right, but this yeah. was...
4: Someone was probably handwriting all those. Mass production. No, no was, it, was a, it
1: was a press.
0: It might have been individual blocks of stuff, yeah, but it this, was. This, this was essentially like modernizing and industrializing information, and that was... Tip of the cat to Gootsie. Uh, It's about time someone Mm -hmm. gave him his flowers. It's about time someone gave flowers over to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, because he is my financial advisor. Doug, I know you have worked with him before. I know you have worked with him before. Producer Joe has worked with him before. Uh, Very helpful guy. But on top of that, Doug, he just knows how to convey his message to his clients. When mm-hmm. you have someone like Mark Hanna in your corner, you feel better about your financial future. And that's what's so important because you want someone you can trust, someone in your corner who you know you can get on the phone with in case something changes. You need to change up your plan because we all know there's so many variables in life. Yeah. You get on the phone with Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies and you will be in a better place. That's why I love working with them and that's exactly why you'll love working with them. You can give them a call 314-889-0503 or go online, Doug, evergreenstl.com. Right. How about the electricity? That's from Joshi Tuna.
1: Another good one. Another good yeah, one. candles weren't bad. <clears throat> you have to light a lot of candles to have enough light in a place.
4: And they started fires. And when it rains, and if you don't have fire to begin with, you can't light the candle.
1: Yeah, I wonder how they did that.
4: Rub sticks together.
1: No, I wonder how in the old days, uh, you know, like back in the, I guess it would be the early... 15th century, 14th century, when you lived in castles, you know, like the kings back in England, (laughs) you know, and and have court, have court, and the whole place is lit up. You know how many candles that's got to be? Well, they would have had servants to make sure all that's worked. They did, but still, that's a lot of candles, and and how do you make wax? Do they know how to make wax back then? I I guess they did.
0: I think you'd be surprised by how much they knew how to do, even back then. Uh, Doug, we got numbers in. We got big numbers in.
4: You're talking uh, about Super Bowl numbers?
0: Super Bowl numbers. Yeah. You like a guessing game?
4: Well, I read the article.
0: Okay, so, then no. you're out. Right. Plowoc, did you read the article on the amount, the the audience for the Super Bowl? I know you're yeah. locked in on a, on a situation we got over there yeah, with our board. I'm just with our to board. make
5: sure if it's the PC pod or, or Adobe, so I'm going to play something off of YouTube. Yeah, yeah right. uh, I did not read
1: the article. No. Okay. Iggs? Uh, I didn't read anything this morning. So okay. No. All right. So
0: do you want to take a guess? On the number of millions, the number of the unit will be millions of people watch this year's Super Bowl. 108. 108 is Plax's guess.
1: Uh, well, you got to throw in the Taylor Swift, the Swifties, who normally wouldn't watch football. Uh, I'm gonna say 138 million. 138 million. I'm probably way off, but I'm. Gonna... The Chiefs 49ers title
0: game stands alone as the most watched event in American television history. Doug. And the record audience of 123.4 million uh, people. Yeah, I'm not bam. 123.4. I million.
4: know a lot of people have made a big deal out of the Swifty audience. I can't believe any of her fans
1: just discovered football because there's going to be three or four shots of her in a But they didn't crowd. watch it. I mean, they knew about football, but I'm sure a lot of her fans weren't turning on on Sundays to watch football. I, I, and a lot of them are like I, I can't, 10 or 11 years old.
4: I can't believe that was much of a factor. I would say that it's a, a partial factor. I, I, don't, um, I think it's a fun thing to talk about and to speculate about, but I, I don't buy
1: it. Well, yeah. there's a reason it's the highest watch. I mean, it's just Kansas City and San Francisco. Mahomes is a draw, but... San Francisco is not a team that everybody wants to watch.
4: Well, there's also multiple platforms, this counts on now. So there, there's more eyeballs on it. The country's bigger. Almost every year, two or three years from now, we'll have the most watched event ever. Right. Just because it's easier to watch and there's more people. Right.
0: And uh, I think, on that, like, uh, I'm reading in front office sports where I found out this information. Uh, the allure of the first title game in Las Vegas. Just the second overtime game in Super Bowl history which very nearly became the first to reach double overtime, and, of
1: course, the Taylor Swift effect. That is what they are crediting towards I, that. I so a lot of people turned on late just to watch the overtime?
0: I, I don't know. This is just I'm, I'm yeah. reading here, but uh, thats is that surprising to you that this is only the second Super Bowl that's gone to overtime? We talked yeah, about that kind though, of, yeah. the Falcons-Patriots 23 game. was
4: 58 games and only two to go in overtime. Yeah, that is yeah, that that's is it. curious. Yeah, you would think there'd be five or six at least. Would it?
0: Right, so that is interesting to me. I,
4: ju- but I just think that it's... It's become such a big holiday in the country, Super Mm -hmm. Bowl Sunday, and there was nothing else going on on Sunday. That's just what people do now. They have parties. No matter who plays, you're going to have an enormous audience. What do you got against the waste management? Well, because it's not very entertaining. Compared to the Super
1: Bowl, it's nothing. It was still going on because of the rain delay. but
4: Well, but compared to the Super
1: Bowl, it's a nothing event. Yeah, it is. I I went back and forth, but...
4: You can't find anybody, even people that are... Aren't football fans go to Super Bowl parties just to go to the party? So they're all, everybody's watching whether Taylor Swift is in the crowd or not. I think that's overanalyzing it.
1: No, I, I think I don't, that's don't. why this, they set a record.
4: I, I don't. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I don't, I don't think it is, but I, I can see that, that it's going to be attributed to that. I just can't imagine a lot of the teenage girls suddenly started watching football because Taylor Swift is going to be shown they didn't. They weren't five times in, in the crowd. They
1: weren't turning in for football. They were turning in to see their girl. I don't know. You don't know Swifties very well. Uh, the 636
0: is sending in a text saying, uh, these figures combined from Nielsen and Adobe Analytics represent the average number of viewers who tuned in at any given moment during the game. But Nielsen puts the number of people who viewed any portion of the telecast at 202.4 million. That's up 10% from last year's 184 million. That's
4: getting up to around 60% or so of the entire population of the country. That's crazy.
0: But Is this worldwide or just U.S.? I believe this is just U.S., this is just I could be wrong but if
4: you throw in Canada you'd probably get another 20 or 30 million Yeah, and the,
0: and the game even though slightly when you compare it to some other sports is growing in internationally as well yeah. so yeah. there is more and more people and again when you put in I'm telling you like internationally too when you talk about Taylor Swift thing that is what it at least opens people's eyes towards the game and maybe people started watching basically just because of her seeing that and then they maybe enjoyed the product and maybe they uh, stuck around a little bit more but who knows? They also talk about that there are various estimates that the 1969 landing on the moon by U.S. astronauts drew an American audience of 125 to 150 million, but it was across multiple networks, and possibly 500 five to 600 million worldwide.
4: Well, that would be more people watching, wouldn't it? Just because it was on different networks.
0: Right. I think, I think like, uh, you can like I don't know. This is just like the most watched event, I guess, on one network, essentially. Yeah. You were watching the moon
4: landing, were you? I at? was, Sure. We hustled home from vacation to get there in time.
0: What time of the day was it on?
4: I, I think late afternoon. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was Where late afternoon. Where were we on afternoon. vacation? Where?
1: Johnson Shuddins. I, I
4: don't recall. I think it was somewhere in Missouri. I Hamptons.
1: Lake of the Ozarks. Oh, Ozarks, I, I don't remember. What's the time zone difference from the moon to Lunar <laughs> Standard Time? I mean, what time was it on the moon when it came on in the afternoon? I,
4: oh. I, I don't think
0: they keep time on the moon. They were the first people there, so I guess they could establish it. There's, there's nobody up there to worry about what time it is. Yeah, <laughs> so they know what time to tune in to the waste management up there, and
4: what time was it see on a the moon? <laughs> there's a question I did not see coming: <laughs> Lunar Standard Time.
1: Well, you got to figure it out. Say we're gonna, we're gonna land uh, in four hours. It'll be such and such time. You got to tune in at uh, whatever. Now,
5: well, they know what time it was here. Now that'd be a sick halftime show. Is to coordinate a landing of a spaceship on the 50 yard line and then obviously have them take the trucks away and take the spaceship away but that'd be oh. a sick halftime if you want Well you
4: could easily land some sort of spacecraft at the 50 yard line. See that'd be cool. Like a helicopter or something designed to look like a spaceship? Yeah,
5: that'd be that'd be fun too. Yeah, it'd be we hard
0: don't... to get it in the dome. We talk about the Auer <laughs> Jones Dome field burning up during some of the pyrotechnics oh, that took yeah. place. you don't want to do could that you right. imagine what would happen if a uh, if uh, some sort of Lunar Shuttle were to land. Wasn't on. there
5: like a press release or a tweet of some kind of that the game was delayed like 20 minutes and the field is on fire like something oh, yeah. ridiculous yeah, that. Yeah, like happened that. here? Yeah, I know, yeah. but I'm saying I think they wrote like a like the the NFL or the Rams like had to tweet something out about the game being right. delayed and it's just so funny to read that and it's so St. Louis. It's so yeah, the Rams that they caught the field on fire. Mhm. What was the record it. at the time of this? What year it was that? Good.
4: It was late. It was probably, I want to say, 2012, 2013. Well, I think it was a little later than
0: that. I think it was like 14 or 15. Was I it? think it I was, think it, one was. Of, it was towards the end of yeah. their uh, yeah. their tenure here in STL. I you think know it was they, against
4: the Stillers. How they introduced them there in, in the corner of the end zone and shot up the fireworks. Yeah. One you liked those. how you could see everybody. I hated it. <laughs> it was pitch dark. They'd, they'd introduce people you couldn't tell who was running on the field. I was afraid someone would get hurt running into someone else.
0: Yeah. They got the deep tones of Andy Banker calling him in. That, that was, was nice. That
4: part was
5: fine. Oh, I forgot well, he had to be a feeling He was
0: great. Here.
4: Can you think of any other stadium where where you introduce players and can't see them?
0: Well, I don't think there's any better stadium atmosphere than the Dome. Oh, for so heaven's sake. comparing sense. it would be just asinine. Mm. I think that was the best atmosphere in Everything the Everything they did was designed to run that team out of here. <laughs> Everything they did. Wait, are you you are now you're going to talk crap about the Rams mm-hmm. rules, and I yeah. won't stand for it. Okay.
5: I would play it, but nothing playing. So
0: we do have that issue?
5: I'm texting that, that, uh, Drew and IT as we speak.
0: That is a, that yeah, is a more yeah. serious issue considering yeah. the, the live read situation. I was going to get
5: back to the movie. lunar landing.
4: Please, please. Because there are some people who still think that that was all faked.
0: That's crazy to me.
4: I, yeah. There that, was, that was a Hollywood production.
1: Yeah. That was... Uh, well, those are people that take conspiracy theories way overboard. think everything that's ever happened in this country is fake.
4: Well, there are some things that do turn out to be fake, but this this wasn't.
1: There are some conspiracies that turn out to be absolutely true. Well you, you saw but, you saw the thing take off.
4: Well yeah, but, t- just, t- taking off and actually walking around on the moon are two different things.
1: So they had it all planned where we're gonna spend this billion dollars on the spaceship, let it take off. But then we're going to fake being on the moon.
4: Well, I'm not saying I believe that. I'm saying there are people that do believe that we didn't have the technology to do that and that it failed and they just wanted to save face by saying, look,
1: here we are. It's just common sense to think they go through all that just to fake it. All right, send this thing up in the air, have the guys sitting in it, and then when nobody's looking, we'll come back down and then we'll just shoot it in a studio somewhere.
4: Well, they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have bothered to go see that. They would have just had the studio ready to go and That's say, all I'm right, saying.
1: they're there.
4: Could have been entirely different people. You couldn't tell who the people were in space. Shoot,
1: space so why suits. why are you setting them up in the first place? You're just going to fake the whole thing. Well, I, to fake the whole thing? That's a lot of money to spend and a lot oh, of I trouble I know. I'm to just saying
4: something. that for, for years, there have been a lot of people who still believe that the moon landing was faked.
1: Well, they're morons. <laughs> I mean, I'm all for the conspiracy about the Kennedy thing and... You know, Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't the only shooter, and the death of Marilyn Monroe, she didn't die of an overdose, she was killed by... You know, I get all those, because there's things you can actually look back on and say, well, this happened, they were doing this, you know, he wanted to shut her up, all that, but I mean... They, they showed for, like, years building the spaceship and the guys going through all the protocols to be able to go up. Well, there's no doubt all we had of th- that th- to go in a studio and no, fake it? There's no doubt we had a space program. There's no doubt
4: about that, that people were circling the Earth. I don't think anybody doubted that. It's just some doubted that they could actually land on the moon, take pictures, get it on live TV and then bring them back in 1969. It
1: was, it was some conspiracy. I don't, I don't think we had the technology in studios to make it look like you're jumping on the moon.
4: Oh, of course you could. Yeah, the cables. That'd be
0: the easy part. Uh, there's some conspiracy theorists texting in. There were no stars there. There was not a landing on the moon. Did you see the landing module and the rover? There was no way one could fit inside the other. That's from the 314. Who filmed the first step outside the craft? That's from Snagglepuss. Well, that,
4: that, a camera, they had a camera on the outside of the... They extended a camera, Cam, right?
0: <laughs> that uh, was well, so, some people will not be will not be pushed off of this. I I am strongly in favor yeah. of uh all space exploration.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: I think
0: it's uh an unexplored frontier that needs continuing exploration. Uh, what do I do with yeah. my thumb here? Yeah,
4: and, Bill Clinton used to do that. Yeah,
0: see you with my thumb. And, and what's and, the definition uh, of his? <laughs> see you boys Monday. This is like sitting at the breakfast table at Del Mar Gardens, it's from Arbor Day. Yeah, yeah.
4: that's the show. See you. Welcome back. <laughs> I think there were there was so many people involved for it not to have come out by someone to say, Yeah, I got to tell you, this is all fake. Yeah. I mean, that's that, pretty hard to believe.
0: But uh, playing devil's advocate, same thing with JFK. But it seems like some people may or may not have been redacted in that uh, certain, certain situation. But
4: there would have been hundreds, hundreds of people involved in the space mission. Yeah. Whereas, a, you know, a dozen or so could have handled the Kennedy thing probably.
0: I love when you guys dive deep into Kensentory. Killed the wheel and moon talk. Now, can you guys please give me some insight in the evolution of the market economy in the Southern colonies? That's from Buzz. I believe that's a reference to uh, Goodwill Hunting. I've seen it. I don't know. You've never seen Goodwill Hunting, really? No. Wow, that's an all-timer,
1: man. I don't know.
0: Full endorsement on the uh, from this portion of the day is right here, man. That's a fantastic picture. Little hey. Gus Van Zandt. I haven't
4: seen it either. What? Tony Van Zant was in that the zoo running back. <laughs> Gus Van Zant he directed. No, the it.
0: guitar player from Leonard Skinner. Little Stevie. Little Stevie oh. from uh, the East Street band.
4: And there was yeah,
1: a Van Zant in The Sopranos. That was that's Little Stevie. That's Little Stevie. Little Stevie from the East Street oh, band. I Believe okay. his brother was in Leonard Skinner.
0: Well, this is Gus Van Zant. He directed the film Good Will Hunting Related. with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, in which they won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Related? Gus Van Zant? I don't believe so. I think that's a more, uh, it's a more popular Dutch name, as you have often referenced, Dutch, Todd yeah. Gack. All right, I'm out. See you guys Monday. That's from Big right. Tough. These okay. texts, they, they get funnier. They don't want learn. They get funnier. They don't want right. to learn, this is, apparently. You, you can get a degree by listening well, to the Well, it's yeah. no program. big deal
1: if Big Tough doesn't want to listen anymore.
4: Oh, no. Is this another one who took a shot at you? <laughs> no. I
1: just... I don't know who took shots. Oh. Okay.
0: You guys think there was any ass-eating on the moon? That's from the
1: recovering alcoholic. No. no. No, probably because uh, when they took a poop, then it just flowed in the capsule. Somebody had to eat that, I would think.
4: Oh, they had to eat it. I,
1: f- a, I think we've jumped the shark. It would have had to float to your mouth at some point.
4: No, they were wearing suits. They weren't <laughs> naked.
1: <laughs> you just took a dump in your pants?
4: Well, they had to wear diapers, yeah. yeah. What did you think?
1: I you think they are I... naked up there? No, I just thought you just pull your pants down and take a dump. Just right on the, in the spaceship? But you could have just gone outside the spaceship and it would have gone into earth and went into space. Just step right out of the spaceship. Well, yeah. Why not? It's better than carrying a diaper full of poo. Because you mean <laughs> while you're on the moon or on the way up there? Well, you can probably hold it till you get there, just like you know, you're going on vacation. Yeah, like I three gotta go to the bathroom. Days. Hold on, we're almost there. You know, I'm sure Lovell said that to Armstrong, I gotta go to the poo. Just wait, we're almost there. Who? Lovell? was it his name? Lovell? Buzz Aldrin? There was another. I, I don't know who was. There was a third one who didn't yeah. get to step on the moon. Yeah. I forget what it is. He name. was left out. <laughs> well, you say, I got to go to the bathroom. You say, we're almost there. Then you get out of the spaceship and drop trout, take a dump, and it just. Hey, Mike, I want to slap a big butt. in the space. Plowsy. Oh,
0: God. Gold star to you, brother, man. Dude, that. Is, so we got that what rectified. What was a
5: lot harder than probably what it looked.
0: Yeah. So it's been. So, so man, shout out. So ran. engineer Drew hooked it up for us. Did he help it out?
5: Um, he did.
0: All right. Shout out to engineer. Well, let's say that. I create?
5: Okay. Yeah. Perfect.
0: No, okay. oh, we're dude, That's
5: gas. scary, man. Cooking with we gas. We need now.
1: that. Yeah. Drew helped me yesterday. Drew. Uh, God, he's a beast. It was my monthly sign-in password thing yesterday on my phone. So.
5: You
4: still don't. Have, you haven't written it down yet.
1: There's nothing to write down. It doesn't work. Only Drew can do it.
5: I'm telling you, I th- I'm apologizing. But like again, like this is a job that he, you know, this is where he steps into play mm-hmm. in these situations. Yeah. and I'm sure texting and sending photos of this is probably super annoying. Maybe he should just too. sit here with us for the three hours to. You know, he get did us that it. one. Was it him or remember the guy who? Joe Shenwetter. Yeah, the great yeah. Joe
0: Shenwetter on our first day. Yeah, he was sexually harassed, oh. and that was unfortunate yeah. for him. Mm. He was for a really was good dude who never that. is like on air, and mm-hmm. that was unfortunate. Drew, by the way, could he could be a real nice little co. He's got some takes. He's
5: funny. I love him, and he said, "All good period." You know, he's not happy. No, he's yeah. not All happy. All good he's period. Dead. When you add a period to anything, mm-hmm. that means Full okay, this conversation blog. is now over.
0: That's right. it. Put right. my sponsorship on hold. I will pay good money to hold my <laughs> sponsorship until Tim gets back It's from the recovering. Come, oh, come on, We're put flying. the gloves on. I'm back.
5: Put the I gloves
1: wish... on. I'll give you a hot take, Doug. Ooh. Oh, wow. Got a hot... Egg, Iggy's equipped with hot takes.
5: Doug, are you going to put the EDF mitts on? I think Iggy's about to explode. Okay, let me get the mitts. No, I don't have a hot
1: take. I'm he, just saying put have the a gloves little. on because <laughs> make... Make the recovery alcoholic happy.
5: Uh, Jim Lovell
0: was on Apollo 13. That's from the Breakfast Club. I don't know where it was. (laughs) I was just throwing names out there. Aldrin, Armstrong, and Collins were the three astronauts. This is so bad. That comes from Rookie of the Year 2023 Malaga Tequila. That comes, that's sex.
4: Would you have wanted to do that in 1969 as an astronaut? Uh, Would you have wanted
0: to risk your life and do that? One of my life goals, I I have three. It's to see Aurora Borealis. At courtside and an NBA game and see the Earth from space. So yes.
4: Well, two out of three, you got a pretty good shot of making that. Uh uh-huh. huh.
0: Yeah. The yeah. third one I know is a pipe dream. But yeah. You know, so probably. if I was given the opportunity, like, hey, you want to be a cosmonaut? Yeah, <laughs> sign me up. Cosmonaut. <laughs> is that what the Russians
5: called it? Yeah. Oh. Then they have the Star Trek guy on there. Uh, Elon Musk or Bezos. Star one of the- Trek. Yeah, so William you, Shatner. William Shatner. Spot. I remember Scotty Boone.. <laughs> that guy. Beam me up, Scotty. So I think like his lifetime thing was to actually go into space, and I don't know if it was Bezos or Musk that like made it happen. Bezos like. already did it. Yeah, I think Strahan went. I think Strahan did like. Yeah, but I forgot dude. who William I'm Shatner sorry. went with. Oh, think Scotty Boone.
4: <laughs> I know who. Damn Spock it, Jim!
5: Is. I'm a doctor, not a bus boy. God, I feel like I'm talking <laughs> in a padded room.
1: Right oh. here. Didn't he go up with the uh, the guy that owns Virgin? If that um, Richard what it was richer, the Branson. Richard, uh, Branson. You
5: actually might be right, but he I remember he cried spaceship. up there. I'd be right. Bezos, he's like ninety. No, uh, Shatner isn't he like ninety? Oh, Richard Branson, how
4: Bones.
0: <laughs> I think he is. Richard Branson age? That's what you're looking for. Age. How about
5: that story, Doug? Yeah. We Damn got it, it off
4: Spock. The we
0: need most food. He's seventy-three. Damn
5: it, Jim! I'm Who? a doctor, not a busboy.
0: So much going on. If
5: this was a NASA a space flight, we would get an. In, we're inches uh-huh. off the ground right now. We're right. just...
4: Shatner, we got to call 90. off the wave off the mission. We can't put these clowns up anymore. Shatner. Listen to what they're saying. <laughs> they're doing William Shatner impersonation. Tommy's in the background. We're run. trying to lift Shut off into down. space. Shut it down. Branson is seventy-three. Oh, Shatner is ninety-two. Ninety-two. I'm all messed up. Still on going strong. Nyquil, man. Well, if you're ninety-two and they shoot jump in space, you think, "Well, if this goes wrong, I
5: had a great run."
4: If you're twenty-five, you think, "Yeah, I lost out on most of my life."
5: Now, Doug, if you were an astronaut going into space, would you write your family a goodbye letter just in case? Like uh, the sea snake guy.
4: Well, maybe. <laughs> if I ever go in the ocean, I'm going to write a goodbye letter.
5: The ocean terrified yeah. the hell out of me, bro. I, open water is one of the scariest. Mother Nature is a... Uh, I've said this before oh, uh, man, on this presentation,
0: but they say uh, if the ocean was clear, you would never go into it. Oh yeah, I believe if that the ocean was completely see-through. You I have don't never really go into it anyway.
4: Well, I, I guess I like
0: to boogie
1: board. I'm a big boogie board guy.
0: Just yeah.
4: think about river boogie boarding, or no? Oh uh, yeah, well you just hold that little board. And, yeah, it's yeah. like body surfing. Yeah, I've done that.
1: There's nothing more relaxing than diving, snorkeling, just going under the water, and there's nothing bothering you. You don't hear anything. You just look at fish and you know, coral reefs. What if it's
4: one of these sea snakes It only has to get close to it and then you die of a heart attack?
1: Well, there's no sea snakes if you're going to the Caribbean and diving.
5: Yeah, I think he is right. They're only secluded to one specific area. I think they're really? in Australia. <laughs> I think you're right. Why would they stay in just one area? Good. I've, I've seen
1: a moray eel sneak his head out of a rock one time, but they're all barked. They're no bite. See, my Until problem... You
5: get bitten. My problem with water as well is I've had like four surgeries on my ears. No, no. Like, so I would take like skin from the back of my ear and put around the holes in my eardrum so like I can't do mass amounts of pressure so I probably couldn't skydive you know, diving to certain depths and probably a no-no. I can't really dive in a pool just because of how the pressure I have to have like my body in fur before my head. Really? Yeah, it's annoying. So I've never really been a big fan of like you know, being in water because like half of my childhood like I was in and out of surgery with my ears like I wouldn't be able to really enjoy Mm -hmm. it. So, maybe that's also why I just don't care if I'm in and around water, but it really does terrify me. Outside of, like, float trips on little streams and rivers... You're okay with that? Open water with no view of land is a fear. Don't join the Navy. Absolutely not. What about if you're on a luxury cruise? Would that be all right? I think it's a little different. I'm talking about the people that sail across the, you know, or get stranded or they're shipwrecked, and you're just kind of floating in a boot, like... Well, that doesn't happen to very many people. Not very many people, but sailboats scare me because, you know, you're... You're banking on the wind, and also they, they're very small. Most of them do have uh, engines.
1: They do have motors. Okay. Yeah, they have a motor on their back in case you don't yeah, get wind. I think a cruise around a bunch of people
5: of as opposed to maybe two people on a little private boat. Yeah, yeah don't do that. I can't. Yeah. Doug, um, I know.
0: Doug, you're talking motors. How about motor cars? And the place to get your motor car mm-hmm. is munganest
4: Well, of course it is. They've done such a great, great job with I can't us. get over how yeah. right We got a car guy now. Whenever Amazing. anything comes up, you need a new one, you need a used one, you need service. This is just where you go, and you'll be treated like you'll be treated nowhere else.
0: Yeah. My brother had an issue this weekend. I put him in touch with Clayton Patterson, and just like, like just that. Just like that. Just like that. Solved. Helped him out completely. It's, such a, it's so important. Plowhawk, uh,
3: can I hear a little bit yeah, about you know, our friends that over there at
0: Munganast?
3: Munganass St. Louis Accurate, Munganass Burkhardt-Alton Toyota, 7 o'clock hour sponsor on TMA, sponsor the Daily Fantasy Sports Showdown, and the official automotive provider of TMA and the Tim McKernan Show podcast, presenting sponsor a balloon party, and we just can't say enough good things about the wonderful people at Munganass, it's Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganass, and in the service department, Ryan Seiberg. So if you're looking for a new car, they have a huge amount of inventory on their lot, and you can go shopping right now at stlouisaccurator.com or at altontoyota.com. And if you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle, they have a great selection there as well. Just go online at LouisAccura.com or altontoyota.com. Even if you didn't get your car from Monganess, St. Louis Acura, Munganass Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, get your car serviced there with the great Ryan Cyberg and his wonderful service department. It's Monganess, St. Louis Acura, and Monganess, Burkhardt, Alton Toyota. Online at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com.
0: Hearing Tim's voice gets me hard. That's from the total package.
5: They're just just so desperate for him to come back. I get it. (laughs) Tim will be back on Monday, February 19th,
0: so we'll be full squad uh, come Monday. We'll also return to QFTA and Balloon Party on the 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Innes, uh, Brockio was on the board yesterday for Josh Innes, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to continue for the rest of the week, but either way, Josh Innes will be filling in on 101, 10 to 11, uh, until Tim gets back on the 19th, and we'll also resume QFTA uh, come the 19th of February. So uh, back to... Somewhat normalcy okay. on uh, the 19th, but until then, you get the core four right here. Uh-huh. KG will be back tomorrow, TBD Thursday and Friday. So I'm uh, kind of doing two jobs at once. So if I ever oh. if I ever space out at a certain moment, just know it's because I'm doing
1: something for the betterment of the presentation.
0: Okay. Or well, at least trying to. Thank you to. for that. At least trying to. We haven't
1: mentioned this in a few days, but um, TMA app has a contest going on.
0: You're right. Well, we didn't mention it yesterday. I think we mentioned it on, uh, on Friday. Win Texas to see... To sit Stevie with Iggy Nicks. at the Stevie Nicks concert. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh,
1: you win two tickets uh, to come sit with me at Stevie Nicks. Not just one. You don't have to go by yourself with me. You get to bring somebody. Um, yeah, just go to the TMA app, uh, keyword Iggy uh, in the Stevie Nicks contest. And uh, I guess at the end of the month, we're pulling it, I think. I think it was only going through February, if I'm not mistaken. That could be the case. I'm not
4: positive.
0: But yet.
1: you got time. Um, you got a lot of time still. So uh, go to the TMA uh, app. Type in uh, Iggy in the keyword, and uh, you could win uh, two tickets to see Stevie Nicks sit with me, or you can just go find open seats and go sit by yourself. I don't care.
4: Oh, you're already <laughs> pushing them away.
1: No, they may win and don't want to sit with me. If they don't want to, then you can just go find some empty Like VIP
4: Pat, if he wins, or who else were you mad at today?
1: Uh, I don't, I don't Big care toughed. who Tuft.
4: Big Tuft. If, I, if I, those two guys win, they're not going to sit with you? I
1: have nothing to do with who wins. If they win, they sit by me. If they don't want to sit by me, I'm just giving you the option. All right. I want to go see Stevie Nicks. I don't want to sit by that idiot. Well, if you win, then you can just go find seats someplace else. What will
4: you be wearing? Ooh, good
0: question, Doug.
1: I don't know. It'll be May. Probably white pants. <laughs> probably white pants. Probably a nice, uh, nice polo. Yeah, tuck that bad boy in? Oh, hell no. I don't know. I don't tuck no. my shirts in. No. Unless I'm playing in a country club, then I have to. But I never tuck my shirt in.
4: Okay. So you'll be looking cool. Mammy Vice collar turned oh, up. I don't right? know
1: how I'll look, but probably have my browsers hat on.
4: Oh god. Browsers. Yeah. Sure. Keep it classy. Keep it classy. Keep it classy with a porn hat. <laughs> <laughs>
6: mm hmm.
3: Yeah.
1: I wear porn hats when I'm not supposed to, and then I wear you know Junior Golf League hats at the AVNs.
0: Yeah, that was a wild move, i got to mm-hmm. be honest with you. I didn't American Junior that. Golf
1: Association was probably proud that you were donning there. Didn't, their, their didn't their even logo. think about that. A little lack of self-awareness. Well, I didn't think about it. I That's just put what I mean. On.
4: Well, it was a mm. green hat.
1: It matched what I was wearing, so I put it on. I didn't really pay attention to what was on it.
4: That's what uh, I mean. That's what lack of self-awareness <laughs> is.
6: <laughs>
0: is that in itself a lack of self-awareness? Yeah. When well, you, know, you don't it's pay attention to some some what sort of you're inception moment.
1: I think lack of self-awareness you know it's... Lack of self-awareness is you know what you're wearing, but you don't care.
4: No, that, you, that would be aware. Yeah, you would that be would aware would not care. Yeah. But when you're doing things and you're you're not aware that what you're doing is kind of weird or awkward,
1: that's a lack of self-awareness. I would have to agree with Douglas on this yeah, one. just a small mistake. You're not doing it on purpose.
0: Okay. Yeah. Type in keyword KG and you can win two tickets to go with me and learn to Stevie Nicks.
1: It's from KG in O-Town. Oh. Okay. Why, why do you lie to the people <laughs> well, like that? Well, maybe
4: he's got something going.
5: Why that you, is a lie, I think.
1: You lie to the people and then you just... Just
5: try to... Never mind. Hello. But, there were, but there, you guys did find a little common ground. He was here long enough. I feel no, like fine. the Iggy
1: KG thing mm-hmm. has
5: has taken a little bit of a positive turn. Mm-hmm. It's a long road ahead, Doug. These things don't no. happen over Now when they
1: fester. That's yeah. no, fine. We just we talked it out all week and he's been here last week. So
5: we hey, look at each this. Other. kind of feel thing turning around. Yeah, just there.
1: sometimes he takes little shots here and there about uh, being part of the show and... Getting guests on things like that, but mm-hmm. you know, other than that, he's fine.
5: Yeah, that I think he's a team me. player coming in when Tim was gone. Wait, Look at that! Like, Look at that! Like is a- he was laying an olive branch out to Iggy there last week. Mm-hmm. so...
0: My goal for the rest of the week, and I can only do so much, but my goal for the rest of the week is to you emit to positivity. We're going to emit positivity across okay. these airways. Right, you
5: know, Negativity
0: is a big part of this presentation. <laughs> it's a, we, we understand that. We enter into the lion's den understanding that you know people are going to take their little shots, and that's accepted sure. because we're going to give them right back, and that's mm. how the game is played. Well, yeah. But we're going to emit more positivity.
1: Mm. So we're only going to do like a 10-minute ten, ten show? and Get out of here?
0: Uh, no, we're going to go three hours, baby. I to be burn positive for 10 minutes. All right, well let's
1: let's try to let's try text concentrate and you can't help yourself but we'll yeah. go
0: minute by minute and just try to admit positivity okay. wherever we can that's going to be the goal and i feel like the common ground found between you and kg the little more cordial relationship is, is a great starting ground we also will have mm-hmm. ed herman coming in here in just a moment oh great and he if we're talking about admitting positivity oh, that's right. and talking about stuff uh-huh. like that ed herman is the perfect guy to have that and i, I do want to talk a little baseball with him doug because pitchers and catchers officially report tomorrow for your st louis today is it today? Yeah, report
4: today. First workout's tomorrow.
0: First workout's tomorrow. So mm-hmm. report Valentine's
5: Day, man. Today. Remember, we used to always hang out at Valentine's Galentine Day. Valentine's Day is
1: today, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we
5: fly in the day before. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah,
1: you uh-huh. and Doug had your Valentine's Day dinner, didn't you? It
5: was so cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All sponsored, paid
1: for. So did Joe Rod and I. We had, we had a guy that, uh, it might have even been Munganess, uh was sponsoring our Facebook Lives. In the evening after spring training, we'd sit, like, in the lobby or whatever. We'd just do a Facebook Live. We'd sit out on the patio, do a Facebook Live. And I think Mugeness was sponsoring that. Is that right? Yeah, but they paid for us to go have dinner together on Valentine's Day.
0: Didn't design air also pay, and then you put their uh, T-shirt on the, uh, on the bushes?
1: yeah I didn't want it was cold that day, that and I picture, didn't want to wear it, so I just hung it over the bush so you could at least see the sponsor yeah
5: that picture and I think says that's the last all. time we're
1: allowed to spring training.
5: Mm-hmm. yeah uh, I got uh, out. when you saw that picture, you mm-hmm. knew Doug at that time this is the yeah that this is the last that, day you know. but then i
1: got a I got a text from uh John Hadley put that thing on
5: oh and it's like a, a, a extra large yeah,
1: why wouldn't was, you just wear the t-shirt making, making a big decision put it on okay.
5: Why wouldn't you just
1: wear it? It was cold. Was sp- it
5: was a sponsor.
1: It was cold. So what? Another layer.
5: I'll get. I'm I'll with Iggy. Like we would go down there. We go down there way too early and set up and have cords in everybody's way. I like, ended up
1: how- dead. I did. I was freezing. I had a, it's then I had cold. a long sleeve sweater on and then I put the Design Air shirt over that. Mm-hmm. But I thought if I'm sitting there and you know the people with their back to me can't see it, but they can see it draped over the uh, bush. I was just trying to get them a little huh. extra pub. Okay. It was an altruistic effort on your yeah. part. I oh, tried. I love Design Air. You know that. Absolutely. They're the official HVAC yeah, they provider fixed my heater.
0: of I... this radio presentation. Plowalk, that's a perfect segue into a Design Air read. If I could please oh, hear a little 100%. bit about Seth Goldcamp and Design Air Heating and Cooling.
3: Design Air Heating and Cooling, the official HVAC provider of TMA and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. The place I work with, the place Doug works with, the place Iggy works with, the place we recommend you work with if you have any issues with your furnace, Design Air Heating and Cooling will be out there quick, fast, in a hurry to take care of it. DesignAirService.com is where you go, and now you're working with Seth Goldcamp and his incredible staff at Design Air Heating and Cooling. It's DesignAirService.com. They've been in business now four generations. Seth is the fourth generation and he prides himself on the legacy started by his great-grandfather. And that is customer service number one, no upselling number two. Here's the deal. This is the issue. We're going to fix it. We're going to take care of it. And I don't know how many people over the years, Design Air has been with us, have done business with them and raved about the experience. They're out there super quick, and they take care of our listeners. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com.
0: Uh, it's Fat Tuesday, Valentine's is tomorrow, come on schmucks, that's from Flocky the Smurf. Oh. I don't think anyone said that today was Valentine's Day. I, I say
6: gallant. No, he's saying
4: gallant. Yeah, yeah gallant. a G.
0: Day, right, for all your gals. Mm-hmm. And you and Doug would kind of sit there right? and yeah. tear have have off no as much as anything.
5: We'd have no choice because we'd be mm-hmm. sharing a rental vehicle mm-hmm. and nobody wanted to be like, oh, hey, I'm going out for a night dinner by myself, have fun scrounging at the hotel since you have no ride
4: at some point someone delivered a truck for me to drive around and say anyone need a ride to the
5: bull park remember that thing (laughs) yeah were you a part of that just behemoth 16 person van that they got seymour joe rod and i you guys got sprinter dude that thing was impossible to (laughs) Mm park it was so big and we have four people for a 16 seater well, people needed a ride to the ball abs- park. It's absurd.
0: Now the cat made an allegation that you were just looking to get some some free breakfast from his his place of stay.
4: I would never do that. It no. was always on no. the upper. Class. You were looking
0: yeah. to take some old timers over to the ballpark. Yeah,
4: I was there. I, I walked in the lobby, and since I was on the way, yeah, and I was invited to have a snick snack. Sure,
5: sure. What, While a I was a there, banana yeah. yogurt. It was, uh-huh. Yeah, there's
0: nothing other here. Your reward just for taking <laughs> yeah.
5: people to the ballpark. Yeah. Yeah, what but. I think was the funniest transportation moment. We had a lot of fun moment there in the six, seven years. But when when they handed you the, the Toyota Yaris, mm-hmm. and it, like, fell apart. The back quarter panel like the fell back, off. Like, like, the back <laughs> panel just fell off as you were pulling in. That's right. And the member yeah. at the Enterprise, they gave us a small vehicle, and you threw Taylor's name out there. And without question, they handed us this Escalade. <laughs>
0: Look, everybody, it's Ed Herman. Oh, here he is now. Ed. Ed Herman is in the building, everybody. Ed, Tim is out this week. He's on vacation. Wow, so you get uh, like you get the B team. You get the JV squad.
2: Well, you know what? I'm not even going to touch that because I don't want to insult him. <laughs> and I don't want to insult you guys. I'll just say that... Uh, both A and B are, I, I'm sure, outstanding combinations. See? Nice.
4: God that's, bless. That's how a lawyer works. And we're used to being insulted. Right. That's kind of, that's right. kind but of what the show not me. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Okay. We you know what? I'm going to
2: bring some kindness into the booth. How do you like that? Well, I don't know how we'll react. I, I, you know, what? I'm. I think with a little bit of surprise, clearly, <laughs> and uh, hopefully, it'll, it'll make you. It'll make for a good day for you.
4: You're probably excited <laughs> about baseball starting.
2: Uh, I am. Well, now that the Super Bowl is over, and it was, uh, I'm sure you talked it to death. Fantastic game. Uh, At least the second half of the overtime was pretty spectacular. Uh, But, yeah, no, I'm excited for spring training. I'm shocked that – well, I shouldn't say shocked, but how do you feel about the fact that you still have all these major free agents who don't even appear close to signing anywhere, and pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting very soon? Out of all of them, who would you like the Cardinals to get if they are going to get one more? Well, I'm still – I'm still all in on Blake Snell. I still don't think the Cardinals um, have done enough on their pitching. Uh, they've get, done enough to eat up a lot more innings, but I don't know that they've done enough to to dominate or win more ball games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, of the people remaining, I don't I don't see anybody else that's even a fit really for them. I mean, they talk about uh, the other three biggies that haven't signed yet with uh, Matt Chapman and. Uh, Uh, Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery. Now, of course, Jordan Montgomery would be a fit. I don't see that the Cardinals would be as excited to get him just because we've had him. And I love Jordan Montgomery as both a Cardinal and a Yankee fan. I feel like I got to see this guy a lot. Mm -hmm. But the kind of numbers that they're talking about for him right now, I I don't know that he's done enough to justify those kind of numbers. I mean, you know, he had a nice run there in the postseason. But, I mean, before that, I mean, usually teams don't go trading away Greatness, mm-hmm. and yet he's been traded now twice. So
1: the longer it goes, I'm thinking probably one year deal because you no, know, everybody's afraid to sign him. But Trevor Bauer, I think would.
2: I, I would. I don't know if the Cardinals would would go for him. I'm, I'm. I don't know why the Yankees wouldn't take a chance on a guy like Bauer. You know, it's such a busy city with so much excitement going on that his drama wouldn't even stand out. It would just sort of be a, a thing in the background. It wouldn't even get that much attention. Uh, The fans certainly wouldn't give a a rat's. If the guy can pitch, they'll take him. They don't care if he just, you know, rape school kids. (laughs) But um, I would definitely, on a one-year deal, you're going to get a bargain on him. The teams that I think would make the most sense for him would be the ones that can't really afford the huge long-term contract, but could compete this year. Yeah, like the Cardinals. Well, I think the Cardinals can afford to compete long-term. They may choose not to spend that money, but they could afford to. I think a team like Tampa Bay or the Marlins, who were both in the playoffs last year but weren't able to advance. You can add a former Cy Young Award winner that might catch lightning in a bottle, and you could do it on a one-year, $10 million type of deal, which I think you could. Like, to me, that just makes a ton of sense for a team like the Rays or, or the Marlins. Mm-hmm. And That's... then you have, who's the other? There's a fourth, that uh, Cody Bellinger. Yeah, I mean, how is it that, that I mean, if, uh, I mean, he had an incredible resurgent in year. I don't know if this is a Scott Boris thing or if this is a matter of everybody wondering, well, which is the real Bellinger? Is it the one we got last year, or mm-hmm. the subpar that we got the two previous years?
4: Probably a Boris thing. He does I, this with all of his clients. Yeah. And as far as them being ready to go, I'm not sure it's a factor. I mean, the pitchers can throw just as much on their own or at the Boris Academy or wherever as they will in spring training. There's not a whole lot going on down there that you can't do on your own with a couple of friends.
2: Yeah, but what do you, what, you know, what is that doing for the, for the team plans, for people understanding where, what their role is going to be, where they're going to fit into the pecking order? I mean, does that matter when you're heading down to spring training?
4: Well, you'd be talking about the last guy in the rotation, like if the Cardinals were to sign a Snell or somebody, it would affect maybe the number five starter. That's about it.
2: Yeah. Now, do you think there's an inherent conflict of interest with a Boris when he knows he has to simultaneously find as good of a deal as he can for a Snell and also for Montgomery? I mean, you have the same teams presumably interested. They're both solid left-handed pitchers. One's a little younger, but one's a little bit more established with a couple of Cy Youngs. And how can you adequately repre- – like in my business, if right. I looked at that, I would say, well, I couldn't represent both of them yeah. because they're both going after the same thing. And how can I really maximize each of their situations and have that work? What do you think?
4: It almost makes you think it's all about the money.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he'll do whatever. If there's more money in it, he'll represent everybody, yeah, every player in the, the league. Pl- but if you're the player, I mean, let me say this. By and large, he serves his overall clientele quite well, but if you look at some of the individual years where he's had guys hold out because he felt like they had to fall in a certain order to get everyone the maximum dollar they can get, there's always some of his clients toward the bottom of that that wind up kind of getting screwed. I remember Johnny Damon toward the end of his career, and I, I don't want to say it if it's wrong, but I have a memory in my head that he kind of suffered through that because you know he had maybe some opportunities to sign earlier. And you hold out, but the thing is the longer you hold out, the more that the teams that might have been interested start going in other directions. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, you might think that your value is going up because the supply of available, say starting pitchers on the market is going down, but the teams in search of one are also going down. And the teams with the biggest amounts of money tend to act first. So I don't know. I, I would have to look at all of his clients, but I do think that there's an argument to be made that the clientele that he has that's maybe past their prime is not being well served by his system. Right. I think those are guys that should get agents that are more aggressive, hungrier, and try to get them deals quicker mm-hmm. in the off season yeah. when all of the teams still have money to spend. Now you've g- taken it so far in the off season that only a handful of teams still have money to spend mm-hmm. and, and haven't kind of worked through what mm-hmm. what their team's going to look like.
4: If, right. if you're one of the premier players, he's probably the best agent yes. to have. If you've fallen off your game a little bit, you might be better served to have someone who's a little hungrier and
2: doesn't need you quite so much, or need you more than Boris does. Yeah, I mean, that's 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 my thinking on it. What do what, what, what you think?
0: I just, I, the sports agent thing, and you would know best in this room, certainly, because of your background in law, it just kind of seems like an industry that's so Quid pro quo in the way of like with teams and agents, and this deal works out with that. And like you said, with the Montgomery and and, uh, and Snell thing, kind of both working in tandem. It just it strikes me as so. I know, it's just shady is the wrong word for it, but there's just it just doesn't seem like everything is like as cut and dry as it would seem to an average baseball fan. I feel like there's so much more that goes into it, and that I'm not aware of. So it's tough for me to like pontificate on it.
2: Yeah, I just think it's hard. I know, like, it, take the law. Uh-huh. You, you mentioned how it might come up in what we do. So let's say we have multiple people that are hurt in the same accident. Mm-hmm. You would think, oh, well, there's no conflict as long as that car, for example, isn't at fault, and it's the only the other car that's 100% to blame. Where's the conflict? You're going to represent these three injured people that were in car A against the car that everybody agrees was 100% to blame. So you think, well, where's the conflict? the conflict comes in when you find out that that guy only has $100,000 of insurance and it has to cover all of the injured parties in the accident. Right. Now, the way those policies work, they may be a 5100 policy. Not to get too complicated, but what that basically means is that if your policy, and I'm sure a lot of people's policies are like this, they're 5100 which means any one injured person can maximize at $50,000. That's it. But if there's more than two injured people, if there's, say, three injured people, they've got to divvy up that 100000 and they've got to do it in some way that makes sense, given that they've all been injured in a different manner. To me, that creates an inherent conflict of interest because at some point, you're going to be uh, representing, say, those three injured people. How do you know how much each of them gets? You know that they're going to pay the full hundred, but now it's got to be divvied up in some manner. Amongst the injured people, there's an inherent conflict there. Yeah. How, can yeah. I, how can I say that person A deserves the lion's share right. and person B doesn't if I also represent person B? Yeah. And I think that that's the problem here. If Scott Boris finds out that some team, let's say it's the Angels that are interested in Snell or somebody, and, and he knows based on their offer what they're willing to put on the table— you know, you don't think that he's starting to think to himself, well, all right, if the Angels are willing to put that up, I, I'm not going to I'm not gonna sell Snell for that much. You know, I can get more for Snell. You know, I'm going to try to manipulate this and see if I can talk them into Montgomery so that I can get the Rangers to maybe cough in a few extra bucks off their championship, let them go the extra. I mean, I don't know. I, to me, all of those little combinations are conflicts of interest.
1: I think he talks to his players and he tells them, he goes, okay, look, I know I represent five of you guys who are all starting pitchers that are free agents. I will get you guys the best deal. You know, if he gets more than you, uh, that's just what they're offering. I'll bring it back to you. If you want more, we'll go more, but I'm just telling you. And they use analytics. I mean, agents are the ones that come up with some of these things. I, th- I think agents are the one that came up with the whole Oh. to say just just well, to get their players more money. Say, they, hey, he had well he had thirty five holds but, last but,
2: but year. Maybe, but, but, but maybe that was the right thing to do. Maybe there was no way to really gauge the value of a middle right. reliever, assigning value until you like yeah that. until you find a way to measure the importance of what they do. Because look, an inning's an inning, and outs an out. We we think an out in the ninth inning is worth more than an out in the seventh inning, and maybe it is. But the reality of it is, a team can beat you at any time during the game. Certainly. So yeah, I do think I think that. Uh, Scott Boris and his team are very much responsible for changing the way that the metrics of the game are valued, and they started doing that, of course, so that they can sell their players sure. better. But that doesn't mean that they're wrong. They've gotten us to focus, going back to Bill James and all of the uh, Sabre metrics. Yeah, we have a bobblehead of Bill James. Oh, is that right? Yeah, well, they, big yeah. analytic kind of yeah. guy. Yeah, they've gotten us to start yeah. looking at, at other things. I've, I've got, I've got a controversial, <laughs> oh, controversial <laughs> hot take. Oh,
6: Hopefully.
4: let me Most. get the mittens well, on if, well, them if you don't on. mind. Get them I'll on, by EDF. Most hot take mittens. Oh, I didn't realize you had hot take mittens. I don't want to get scorched.
2: Well, you know, let's and and I'm sure that the listeners will be captivated by this. But (laughs) I think the most controversial of the more recent stats that have been looked at in the last 20 years is the one that they call the quality start, Mm -hmm. because it's a starting pitcher has to go six innings and they have to give up three or less earned runs and they get credit for quality start. Now, a lot of fans out there are saying that's. Yes, that's not a quality start. That's an ERA of 4.5, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of a year. That's 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 nothing that should be rewarded. I disagree completely. I love the stat. I don't like the name of the stat. I believe, and this is, this is my hot This is the hot.
4: Let me believe, secure the gloves. Yeah,
2: get those gloves on because <laughs> <Okay>. it's coming out <laughs> ah, I'm ready. Let me ask you this. I don't know how you guys feel about sure. this quality start. I think the problem people have with it is that they put the word quality in there. Mm-hmm. I would change the stat, and this is me trying to get it out there into the baseball universe. The show here is totally secondary right now. Right, okay. I'm trying to change policy. Well, you may get it done. I want it to be called a competitive start, not a quality start, because we know what high quality looks like, but nobody's going to argue and tell me in modern-day baseball, if you're a starting pitcher and you actually went six innings and you gave up three or less, it means your team is either in the lead— or they're within striking distance with still plenty of time to go, which means they've kept your team competitive. Yeah. And to me, that really is, in modern-day baseball, the job of the starting pitcher. Can I keep the, keep my team in the ballgame as long as possible, give my team a chance to win? If you change that from quality start to competitive start, I think it becomes a, a completely different stat mm-hmm. in, in the way that we take it in. Instead of fighting it and arguing and saying it's not quality, call it competitive I like the stat. What do you think? Hot love take. Love it. Love it. I, I, I love like
4: it. it. Would you consider becoming commissioner when Rob Manfred Let me tell you down? something. That's Please, the Dale. one
2: job that I would absolutely give up what I do if I can take over and Not do bad. that. Hell yeah. yeah, I've thought about whether I would do that if I had an opportunity to be general manager of the Cardinals or the Yankees, and I would probably also leave leave my current world for that world, mm-hmm. just because I love it. <laughs> and um you know, hopefully they pay me a few shekels and give me a couple of bonuses if we won something.
4: They pay pretty well.
2: Um, yeah, well, I don't know that I don't know how well uh, they pay, but <laughs> a couple that's of million. Sad. Okay, uh, I, I wouldn't <laughs> do it for though. the money. I would do it for you know because that would be a dream job. The literal uh-huh. love of the game. I, I it would. I would yeah. give it up. I feel like it would be my social obligation if given the opportunity. <laughs> You'd have to do it. I have to do it. Yeah, yes. I think it'd be great. If I had a chance to be commissioner of baseball, I mean that's. Uh, yeah, i I jump out. Here's the, the, the here's my platform that I would run on for people, just so you know. And that would be, I would have no work stoppages. I feel like everything can always be worked out. If you get reasonable people of reasonable intelligence who aren't completely selfish, there's no reason in the world you should ever have a work mm-hmm. stoppage. Um, so You think they'll need a salary
4: cap at some point?
2: No. No, I would never support a salary cap. There, there's no proven... Um, a success of a salary cap. There's no sport you can point to that has one that you can attribute competitive balance to the salary cap. Uh, all you do really is, you know, you wind up, you know, disappointing a lot of players and, you know, and a lot of fans with uh, complicated math. It's not necessary. I do believe in a floor.
6: Yeah.
2: I believe in a competitive floor. I think that teams, when that when they put in the revenue sharing in the CBA, the teams should have been required to spend 100% of that. On their payroll. They shouldn't be allowed to pocket any CBA money as profit. It should all be for reinvestment in their team. That was the point of it, was so that everybody could field a competitive team, not are so you, that everybody could make a profit.
4: Are you going to put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame, Mr. Commissioner?
2: I absolutely would. Mm-hmm. I, I First of all, I don't think it's the Hall of Fame's job, or it shouldn't be their job, to determine whether or not a person even gets to be on the ballot. You know, at the time that Pete accepted his, um, his suspension... There was not a corresponding rule in the Hall of Fame that a a lifetime ban rendered you ineligible to be in the Hall. Um, That said, I don't even know what a lifetime ban means. Is it Pete Rose's lifetime? Is it the lifetime of baseball? Is it the lifetime of the Hall of Fame? Because let's say, I mean, Pete's got to be close to 80, let's say, and he dies. He dies. Does that make him automatically elige- eligible to, to be voted on? The lifetime ban, by definition, will have been over by then. At the same time, though, Joe Jackson's been dead forever, and nobody's ever raised that mm-hmm. with him. Nobody's ever said, well, wait a second. He's kind of served his lifetime ban. Right. Now he's dead. Who's there to advocate
0: for him, essentially?
2: You know, fans. Yeah. Just, just the fans. Just the fans that care about the history of the sport and want to know what its place is. Now, I don't necessarily feel the same way about Joe Jackson as I do about Pete Rose, because Joe Jackson, regardless of his level of, of um, intelligence uh, and whether he was taken advantage of, that, all of that aside, we know it happened during his playing career and on the biggest stage. Yeah. That, to me, is a much bigger violation, whereas in the Pete Rose situation, mm. I don't believe in, in players getting, getting uh, uh, barred from the Hall of Fame when there's no evidence that they did anything during their playing career. Now remember, that the Hall of Fame voters, and we talked about this once before, they really delineate, if you're being eligible as a player, they only look at your playing career, they do not look at your managerial career, or your coaching career, or your contributions to the game. Just your playing career. And when you're a manager, same thing. We talked about it when Lou Piniella didn't get in. Lou Piniella and Jim Leal and have virtually identical managerial stats, Piniella's arguably better. Leland had no playing career. Pinella was a career 300 hitter. And so it's clear that the voters do not factor that in. They keep them separate. Otherwise, Gil Hodges would have gotten in a lot earlier. He managed the 69 Mets, the Miracle Mets, and he had the playing career. They don't do it. So if that's the case, if they're going to go through such effort to bifurcate the playing career from the post-career, then how do you explain the fact that there's no evidence that Pete was involved in any kind of gambling during his playing career, only during his managerial career. So where's where's the reason to keep him out there? Same thing with Curt Schilling. I mean, Curt's an ass in terms of his mouth, but you don't put him in the Hall of Fame of broadcasters. You don't put him in the Hall of Fame of opinion makers. Right. You put him in the Hall of Fame of pitchers. And that guy, uh, you know, he, the guy was, was lights out. I'm one of mm-hmm. the great... Big game pitchers of the last thirty years, and he's not no. in the hall. And didn't of Fame.
4: Shoeless Joe hit over three hundred in the nineteen nineteen World Series?
2: He he performed very well, but he you know he also took money um, to 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 not perform well. And did did he let it affect his performance? No. But remember, you know when um, Landis banned the uh, eight players, you it wasn't just a matter of whether they took the money. He banned Buck Weaver, who didn't even take money but knew about it and didn't say anything. So if people are going to cry foul, you know, start with Buck Weaver and say, this guy didn't even take a dime. He played his ass off, didn't take a dime, but didn't report it. If, if that's enough to get you banned, then, then you know, taking the money and still batting three plus hundred, I mean, it's still going to get yeah, you banned. Yeah, that's a good
1: point. So what should happen is if you find out that your teammates, uh, you knew they took steroids and you didn't say anything, And you're a great player. You shouldn't get either because you didn't tell people they were taking steroids.
2: Well, it's tough. Well, And I'll go one step further, Iggy, because you bring up a great point. When you have, call it the steroid era, they they tend to call it, okay, so everyone knows that Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire were using on those great A's teams in the late 80s. We also know that Ricky Henderson holds the record for the most runs scored. Now, I I don't want to cast any aspersion against Ricky Henderson, let's assume he was 100% clean in terms of the things he put in his body. But how do you look at the game when you know that he was driven in hundreds of times by people who were enhanced? Totally. Does that affect Henderson's numbers even though he didn't use? He, he owns a record that was fueled by the fact that everybody hitting behind him in the lineup was on steroids. Clearly, he scored a lot more than he otherwise would have. And you can say the same... For all of the players, all of the stats are thrown off whether you used or not, whether you were driven in by those guys, whether you were struck out by one of those guys. You know, if if, and we'll never know, we'll never know what everybody's stats would have looked like if everybody had played completely clean.
1: Yeah, and they're not taking stats away from anybody. They're just not putting him in the Hall of Fame. So. That's the
0: thing right. with me with, well, like, Bonds. It's like all those runs, all those home runs, those runs counted in the game. You know, you can take away that he's no longer the home run king, but those well, record, those runs still counted.
2: Jackson, let me ask you this, too. Yes, sir. You know, we knew. It's not like the Bonds allegations came after his career. No. When he hit his home runs in 1970, and in 2001, he had 73 homers. He still played three more years after that. Everybody knew you know, We showed the pitcher size of his head. Um, every, everything had happened. The baseball writers right, picked the selections for the MVP award. The baseball writers picked the, the Hall of Fame entrance. Why, why, why was it okay for them to say, I'm not going to use what I clearly see to be a, a steroid user. I'm not going to let that affect my vote for MVP. I'll still vote the guy MVP. He wins a couple more MVPs after that. Why is that okay? Why would why is a writer say that that vote is okay to cast? And I'll give him that award, but I'm not going to cast my vote over here and and put him in the Hall of Fame.
1: Did hey, the Balco thing come out sense. after he was done playing though? Because that's um, no, when it, that's yeah. when it kind of proved he was taking it, but nobody could prove he was taking it.
2: But, except but, looking at his head and his well, stats. Well, that's the but, thing is, is but nobody could prove anything until you know in, until either confessions or positive tests came out. I mean, by that logic. McGuire, we didn't know until he confessed 10 years later on that interview that he mm-hmm. did. Uh, was it Bob Costas? I don't remember who interviewed him and got the, the final confession out of him, but it was like a decade later, and yet everybody already had, you know, had been completely convinced, and he'd already been kept out of, mm-hmm. of the hall just based on observation. So I, I think that you know, I think at the time they were voting bonds—not the first MVPs in his career, but the last MVPs of his career. I think most people did that with a pretty clear belief that he was that he was enhancing. Yeah.
4: The, the thing with bonds, we learned that steroids actually make your skull get bigger. <laughs>
2: uh, did that happen to anybody else? Yeah. It sure what? happened to him. It, it, it does look that way. You know, who knows? You know, things get bigger. You know, I—we I, I, talked about last time or the time before. You know, I dropped a lot of weight this last year, and like. You lose it everywhere. You know, weight is not... Everyone thinks, oh, my stomach or whatever, but if you're carrying an extra 100 pounds, I tell people that um, there are 16 slices of turkey breast in a pound. I know this because most of my jobs prior to the law were in deli. I was a big deli guy. <laughs> so you'd know when, if you're cutting it on a slicer at a, at, a, at a one thickness, which is what almost all the meats are cut at, uh, 16 slices is a pound. So... You know, ten pounds is 160 slices. 100 pounds is 1,600 slices. But that's how it works on your body. Imagine laying slices of turkey everywhere. You gain weight in your head. You gain weight in your feet. My feet dropped like a size and a half. Really? really? Yeah. And I'm like, folks, I didn't need to lose that weight. You got to get <laughs> you new know?
6: shoes. I know.
2: Just I, the things that. Well, you just start, you know, swimming around in there a little bit more. You buy new shoes. But the point is, is yeah, you, you gain weight in your head, you gain weight in your everywhere. You can gain weight in your toes. Doesn't matter. The body has a fat cell there; it will store, it will store weight there. Hmm. But these are the, these are the important questions That's of our what time. I'm That's and know, I've so- gone back and forth on the Hall of Fame as it relates to those guys. I think I told you when I went up there to that parade and the induction. You know, before that, I was totally in favor of you know letting people in, saying it's a product of its time. We know, every every era has things you could write next to it, if you wanted to. Oh, All yeah. these guys dead ball. All oh, these guys pre-integration. You know, he you know Babe Ruth never had a face a Bob Gibson. Right. You know, um, you can you can go right through. You can you can even look at the the 50s and 60s at the National League dominance and recognize it simply because they integrated far more efficiently uh, than the American League did, and it cost them 15 years of of any kind of real success you look at the yankee dip that happens after 1963 but before 1978 or 77 that 14-year period you could almost look at that and see it's all fueled by the fact that they never went after the great ball players at the beginning of integration whereas the dodgers did and then a bunch of the national league teams followed if you think about all your great black ball players the first ones not just the jackie robinsons and uh, Roy Kempinellas, but uh, Hank Aaron, Frank Robinson, Willie Mays, uh, Lou Brock, Bob Gibson, every one of them played for a National League team. Right. None of them played for an American League mm. team. Right. American League didn't get a great back black ball player until Frank Robinson got traded well, there And Larry Doby was pretty good. He was good, not great. Yeah. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame because he integrated the American League and doesn't get nearly the respect or attention that Robinson gets, but... Um, you know what's interesting with Dobie too is that uh, he also has the distinction of being the second black manager in the history of of baseball. He never gets mm. to be the first. No, poor yeah. Larry Dobie never gets to break <laughs> the color barrier, but yeah. he comes in right behind. Here's a great trivia question for you. Ooh, love that. Okay, this is. Let's see if your listeners can get this. All right.
0: uh, Text on in 314 I just
2: I just mentioned that Larry Dobie was the second black manager in the history of baseball. I want. People to tell me who the first was, because there's a little irony to it. And then uh, I can tell you that it was first broken in the American League. So I want you to tell me who the first to break it in there's the American the League was. Can you give me a year? And who the first to break it in the National League was. Um, at the year, it would have been in the mid-70s. Well, I think I know, but I'm not a So I fan. need the American League, which happened first. All right. And then I need to know who the first black manager was in the National League. These these are really good questions for a couple of reasons. They've got a couple of curveballs built into them. You got anything yet on there?
0: Uh, the first one. I don't think this is a legitimate uh, a guess, but uh, I'll read it anyways. Darnell Coles was no. the first guess.
2: No, no, Darnell Coles. But you know, I know Darnell Coles. Was he a shortstop for the Seattle Mariners in the yeah. mid eighties? The played for the. Tigers. He's big on this show, though. Yeah. No, you're just giving the
1: texters time to Google it. So,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, we got some here. Uh, the Breakfast Club says Frank Robinson for both.
2: That is correct. That is, that is the trick oh. of that. Mm-hmm. Frank Robinson broke the barrier in the American League, I believe, with the Indians. He was able to do it because they made him a player manager. Um, that was considered to be something that they kind of needed to do to justify hiring a black manager. It was kind of controversial at the time. He breaks the barrier in the American League. And then a few years later gets hired by the San Francisco mm. Giants, and breaks the barrier in the National League. That's two times Larry Doby got beaten by a guy named Robinson. Oh, got it. So you got that little curveball, and then you have the other thing in there. That's a really good, that's a good that's a good. Qu-
4: one of my favorite trivia questions is, which relief pitcher led his team in home runs? Hmm. It's also a trick question.
2: What, well, is it one of those deals where somebody came in and pitched a... He uh, pitched
4: two or three times.
2: In the, in the course of his the team, season. But led his team in home runs. Recent or No.
4: No, it's probably 70s, 60s
2: or 70s. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know the answer a- a- to Dave it. Dave Kingman. Oh, really? He, yeah. he pitched a little They relief. let him
4: pitch two or three different times.
2: Uh, my favorite Dave Kingman trivia question has to do, I think it was in the 1977 season. Back then, there were only four divisions. You know, we didn't have centrals. We only had east and west. There were four divisions. He holds the distinction of playing for a team in all four divisions in the same season. Oh, yeah. He got traded multiple times, cut and re-signed, and uh, in the course of, of the year... All four. You can look that up. If if anyone thinks I'm wrong, look it up. I think 1977. But all four divisions in one year.
4: He wasn't particularly well-liked.
2: No, and you know what? He's one of those guys, so feast or famine, that when you look at his stats and you see all the home runs, you think, well, shit. Who? Sorry. You can't. Sorry. uh, Sorry. You can't. You can't, you, you know, who can't use a guy like that who mm-hmm. can consistently yeah, you know, hit great over thirty-five now, they, homers? They think he's fine now. They wouldn't care, right? Yeah, but was he was kind of the first in that line of people that would eventually be like the Pete Enclavilias of, of the
1: world—guys
2: mm-hmm. um, that you knew could hit the homers but just didn't have the batting average. If he'd uh, played Rob a few
1: yeah, if he'd have played a few more years. Um, there's a chance he could have went into the Hall of Fame with uh, 225 batting. He average. Yeah. He could have, yeah. Well, I mean, if he'd, if he'd have
2: gotten to five yeah. 500 homers, especially back then before all the PEDs, I think he probably would have. He really would have challenged that standard. Um, but uh, now, like you say, you get a guy like Carl Schorber, and nobody really cares much about his batting average. That said, he does walk a lot, yeah. and he kind of falls into that Adam Dunn camp. Adam Dunn had a lot of years where the average didn't look that great, the homers were amazing, but the on-base percentage was incredible because right. he'd walk over a hundred times. Schwarber
4: hit like 190 as a, as a leadoff hitter, 190, and still had like 40 home runs or something.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I, that's that's the that's the thing is it's, it's, it's whatever stat you choose to look at. Yeah, right. I yeah. mean, uh, we all can prioritize the ones that we think, I guess, have the biggest impact. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's just. Just some of my favorite trivia questions. Now, Frank Robinson, since we brought him up, I brought him up. My favorite Frank Robinson story, and you can look this up. It was uh, a game where he was managing. He was not playing in the game. It went to extra innings. The game's going on and on. I think it gets to maybe the 13th inning. And uh, his team falls behind by a run in the top of the inning. And now that's the bottom. If they don't come back, the game's over, and they will have played this long game for nothing. They get a base runner on. Frank Robinson decides to put himself in as a pinch hitter, calls back the hitter, and he's like, you know what? I I just can't sit around here. We've been here all day. We're going to lose this game. Puts himself in as a pinch hitter, proceeds to hit a two-run walk-off home run. Oh, and wins wow. the game. How freaking cool is that? <laughs> how, only <laughs> if you saw it happen in real life, you wouldn't believe it, right? Mm-hmm. You'd say, well, come on, who's going to script that? This old player, now he's managing. Manager puts himself in as a pinch hitter. <laughs> it's a walk-off home run to come from behind and end the game. Says, that's how you do it, boys. <laughs> <laughs> when you <laughs> want something done you right, you do it yourself. But it happened. Uh, it, it was in June of... Um, 76 uh, For those who want to look up the box score, it's out there He was a
4: great player Not I, just a good one, a great, player I believe great he's player. the
2: most underrated of all of the greatest players of all time MVP
4: in both leagues
2: MVP in both leagues yeah. Triple crown winner
4: mm-hmm.
6: uh,
2: 586 home runs uh, Spectacular stats across the board it, it, He has said, because he fell short of 3,000 hits by maybe, I don't know, very few 60-something hits at most And uh, He'd said back then nobody was paying attention to 3,000 hits as any special milestone. If they had, he probably would have hung around longer, and, and maybe that distinction would have yeah. put him one more year in with, that conversation yeah. with where people talk about Mays and, and, and Aaron. Frank Robinson always wound up playing second banana to those guys. Mm-hmm. Even when he got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 82, it happened to be the same year that Aaron was inducted. So even at his own induction, he had to play second fiddle to Hank Aaron. Um, And do you remember when he was manager with the Nationals, he got into a staring um, contest in the middle of a game with somebody. Does anybody remember this? They stared each other down (laughs) for what felt like minutes. Robinson wouldn't break eye contact, and this other guy would not break eye contact. Do the listeners, I forget who that was with. Like, who was he not breaking eye contact with and why? Does anybody anybody remember this?
4: I don't. I
0: remember Joe Kelly and. Uh, oh
5: yeah, I do remember that Scott one.
0: Van Slyke were staring down each other during one. the uh, national anthem uh, for a long period of time, and then the umpire came out and was about to throw both of them out <laughs> of the game if they didn't <laughs> you know, head back to the dugout. But that is uh,
2: what is time. what is it about intense eye contact that makes one wonder that you don't know exa- you feel like it can go one of two ways. Mm-hmm. Either somebody's going to get punched or somebody's going to get kissed. <laughs> you know, right? I think it's that, that feeling of
0: like, you know, being seen, like you're seeing them and you're like, there's no doubt that there is, you are being watched and there's something, I guess, intrinsically nerve wracking about that.
2: I don't know. I don't well, you know, know and, I, and I don't know. This could be my own, um, I don't know. I don't think this is a sexist belief, but it may just be my conclusion in my head. When a, a guy and a gal are locked in intense eye contact, I think that there is obviously an intimacy there, mm-hmm. and I think you you just get the sense that if they keep looking at each other in the eye, at some point they're going to kiss. But usually that with, doesn't
4: happen in baseball.
2: Uh, not in baseball, but no. with guys, you know, uh, you feel like the longer they look at each other in the eye, the more likely it becomes that somebody's going to get punched.
1: <laughs> right. Now, why, why is yes. that? <laughs> Or kiss, depending on where you're at. Yeah, well, oh, I, I guess it's possible. I,
2: listen, I've lived a sheltered existence. Iggy. I haven't, I haven't walked your shoes, but I'm guessing you've you're seen lucky. some things. Uh, but, but what, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you think on that? What do you think that is—the intensity of that eye contact?
1: It's just trying to one up him. I'm not going to turn turn away because if I turn away, he wins.
2: That's a macho thing. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm.
2: What's wrong with I'm us? A, I'm
4: a tougher guy. <laughs> We're flawed as humans. We're just flawed.
2: You know, I think it, is it a flaw? I think that that is the most basic primal thing in our DNA. Hmm. I think that, I was watching a a thing this week on, uh, I'm a TikTok abuser. I think there's a lot of wisdom on there. It really depends on what your algorithm is serving up to you. Uh, But Simon uh, Sinek, uh, is that what his name is? He's the one that talks a lot about business leadership and what have you. But what he was talking about, and I thought maybe your listeners will find this interesting. I think they might as to why we treat the boss so well or why we treat celebrities with such deference, why we, why we do that. And, and he was basically saying it's just like how dogs in the, in, the, in the dog world can immediately detect who the alpha of the group is, and they yield to the alpha just naturally. And But what he was saying is, is it's not it's out of ad- admiration or it, it's not that. It's that when you detect an alpha, you serve the alpha – because there's a social contract that suggests that if the pack is ever threatened, that the alpha is your leader who's going to defend you and protect you and take care of you. So it's, it's not just, um, you know, I don't know, to kiss their behind or, or, or do that. It's not to serve them. It's a social contract. They get something in return for all of the deference that they're given the special treatment. And that is the expectation that if a threat comes, you're going to be the one. And I think you see that in sports. I think that's what we look to for the stars on a team. I think we we do pay them more. We do take better care of them. The fans do wear their jerseys out of a reverence, and they do create fandoms. But there's a social contract built into that, and that social contract is this belief that when the highest pressure moments come up, when the game is on the line, we are investing in you, and we expect you to, at that point, be the alpha that we have treated you as. We've treated you this way. We've given you that deference. But now you got to hold up your end of that social contract. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's a lot of truth to that, I, I think especially in sport. Because I think where, where most fans get upset with players isn't based on their performance alone. It's based on their performance in relation to what we expected from them, what we paid them for, how we've mm-hmm. held them up, and how they've allowed themselves to be held up. Yeah. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I I think the fans are justified in those situations. It's
4: also a sense of self-preservation, knowing that if if you don't measure up to the alpha, your job or your place on the team could be threatened because they're seen as more valuable.
2: Very primal. They are more valuable. You know, alphas are more valuable. We've decided this as a society. We value our leaders if they're effective. You know, because we need that. I mean, listen, we all want to be shown right Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us are okay trying to figure it out but most of us want to be shown now have you seen that picture
4: in the, in the wild of wolves walking where they have they have an alpha who walks at the front of the pack with his tail up in the air and there's like 10 wolves behind him all walking in single file with their tails
2: down yeah so they, they know who's in charge here but and they're it, okay with it yes and, and and the thing is is that we treat it like it's an honor to be the alpha but it's it's really a responsibility to be the alpha every bit as much as it's an honor. Listen, it's a great place to be in if, if you've been given the gifts and you're willing to use them. I mean, who doesn't want to be on the top? Who doesn't want to be revered and, and admired like that? But it comes at a price, an expectation. You're getting this money. You're getting this admiration. You got half the, jer- you know, the stadium wearing your jersey. You absolutely have an obligation at that point to perform better than everyone else. You have to now perform to the manner that you've been There's
0: a treated. There's a cost associated with being that athlete that's yeah. earned, not... When you go earned. in courtrooms,
4: do, do you see people wearing Ed Herman jerseys in courtrooms?
2: Uh, only my we'll son. We'll get to the geese in just a second. <laughs> my, my, my son, I, and God love him, I, he is the best. He gets such a kick out of any time my face appears on a t-shirt somewhere and he will bust those out and wear them with pride. That's as awesome. a father, it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's it's pretty cool. I bet. I'm like, what is he What is he doing? And, and he'll do it right when he's out in public with me. Oh, nice. No, it's not like he's doing it on his own. He likes to do it when I'm standing there so that everybody sees that he's wearing a shirt that's got my face cool. on. not that nice? Yeah, now the geese, fine. if you could get that. Yes. There. Well, I think, now, you're, you bring up geese. Is that because they rotate out of the leadership spot as part of their flight patterns? Is that the... No,
1: well, they always start kind of cockeyed, they're all over the place, but then they form that V and there's always one right in the front. How does that, who decides who's, what if somebody comes from the back and says, get out of here, I'm going first.
2: I believe that that does happen. I believe that they actually do not run on an alpha program. I, th- I believe that they rotate uh, as part of their migration patterns in order to keep people fresh. That, cause the person in front not only leads it, but obviously doesn't get any of the benefit of the drag, like you'd get in a car racing, you know, they're, So they have that pattern designed so that the birds in the back do not have to expend nearly as much energy uh, during the flight. And then at some point, they naturally know that they then go to the front and they have to lead the group and expend their energy. And then whoever was in the front goes in the back and rests for a while. Now, let me say this. There is at least a 12% chance that I made that up completely. <laughs> yeah, very possible. Yeah, twelve percent though. But let me say this to the, to the listeners: it, it, this is this tells you something about uh, me as a lawyer, and maybe even about the law firm, because I'll be the first to acknowledge I, I that's one of those things I did, I know I didn't just make it up completely, mm-hmm. but it could very well be a kernel of something that I once heard right. that might have been specific to one particular type of bird. For all I know. But just enough of it stayed in, and then you articulate it in a way that almost sounds like it couldn't be wrong. Mm -hmm. That's what it is to present a legal case. You're not making things up out of nowhere, but you're um, taking—because you can't make up facts. Both sides have to work with the same facts. But what they can do is paint the facts to lead to a particular conclusion. That's really what the argument is over, is what conclusion am I supposed to take away from these facts— not really a dispute about the facts themselves. Most cases, if you're disputing the facts themselves, you got a real problem, right? Because then, then the whole case is going to boil down to likability and credibility, and that's a crapshoot. Yeah, you know, you're m- much more often you see a situation where you're. You, it's not much of an agree- a disagreement about what actually happened. It's really just the conclusions to be drawn from it. So what I tell you is, if you heard my bit about the birds mm-hmm. and, and you thought, my God, this guy's smart. He's right. And you didn't look it up to check me at all. Right. Just know, I might, you know, like 88% chance I made it up. <laughs> right. But but I'd win that case Yeah, if we'd have mm-hmm. taken a vote. I don't want that case. You know, remember yeah. civil cases? I don't need a unanimous jury here. I thought you US. were a gooseologist. I just you know. need nine out of twelve.
0: Right. Well, you talk uh, about the dirt, the turkey, and the deli slicers. You know, you're just establishing credibility as a estab- Renaissance est- man. Est-
2: establishing credibility. And you're, you're
4: big in the aviary community.
0: Yeah.
2: I. You know. Well, between the turkey. Yeah, uh, and flightless you know, yeah. and
0: non-flightless right. birds alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. G-
2: g- exactly. What's the uh,
0: best
1: courtroom scene in a movie you've ever seen?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Again, yeah, I like that question a lot. <laughs> a lot of
1: people are going to say.
0: Well, I good think good a few, men, but a there's
2: so many. Yeah. I mean, there are the verdict. There are great ones you know the, the be- single best part in the movie the verdict cuz you know you never actually hear the verdict no, at the was, end yeah. but what you do get is something better yep. which is the jury asking is it okay if they award more so than good. what the plaintiffs asked for so good which for a plaintiff's lawyer there's mm. there's literally <laughs> nothing better in the world yeah. unless you work for negative people which I'm not going to call anybody out in particular sure. but some people you'll bring home a huge verdict and they'll complain that you obviously didn't ask for enough um <laughs> So, you know, they'll find a way to crap on you. But uh, but re- regardless, yeah, that's a great one. Let me let me see. I, I will say uh, I think that the uh, my cousin Vinny scene where, you know, uh, he puts her on the stand as a hostile witness and gets out all that good information about mm-hmm. the uh, the traction attraction and the other the other car. That's a, that's a that's I mean it's a comedy but that's that's a great scene. Kevin got,
4: Costner and JFK that was a pretty good one. Back a, into the left.
2: The longest uh, legal argument I think ever put on film. That well, that yeah. his closing arguments in JFK yeah. are like at least it's fifteen, like, 15 minutes. The long it's, movie. So, oh, see uh, the whole thing.
0: Uh, we got a text here from a, a very popular texter. His name goes. He goes Deke Dotham is his name. No. Uh, Primal Fear with the great Eddie Norton and Richard Gere. What are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. on that?
2: Well, I think what, what really made you, that Martin. movie work for me was that people didn't know Ed Norton yet. He See, was his first movie. If they had already known him, I think the chances of him winning for Best Supporting Actor that year would have been a lot higher mm-hmm. because we would have seen so many shades of his acting that when we saw his kind of dual performance in that movie, I think people would have been all the more impressed. I think the fact that nobody knew who he was and he came in and he did that and, you know... I mean, we've seen movies where the clients sucker the attorney. I mm-hmm. mean, a movie like *The Jagged Edge* is another great uh, one with Jeff Bridges and, and Glenn Close. Uh, you know, um, you know, uh, always wondering if the person did the murder, didn't do the murder, presumed yeah. innocent. Uh, the cross examination that Raul Julia does of the medical examiner, um, Doctor uh, Kumagai, that scene um, in *Presumed Innocent* is is. Probably the best cross examination scene that comes to mind, because he was so effective. Rallo Julia was, I mean, if, he would be one of those lawyers, uh, if uh, cinematic lawyers that I would hire. He was sharp.
4: Mm-hmm. Gregory Peck was good in To Kill a Mockingbird.
2: Yeah, well, it was he lost. Uh, no,
4: but just the actor. The, oh, he was wonderful, scene, and he yeah. won
2: Best Actor. But mm-hmm. as a lawyer, uh, you know, I mean, you know, he was up against it. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, he, you know, he did not win the case. Am I
1: um, thinking, and in, 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 I'm just drawing a blank here, it was either a movie or a TV show where the guy defended himself and he jumped in and he started answering questions and jumped out of the box and kept answering his questions...
2: I, th- I think that that sounds familiar when you say that. I'm sure that 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 has definitely been I'm depicted. To, it's
1: funny found. as hell, but I can't remember if it's a TV show or a movie. It might have been an animation. It might have been like Family Guy or something.
2: Oh, for heaven's sake! It could have been on multiple plot. I mean, that's that seems like a premise that would that does come up quite a bit. Now, I think most of your great legal stuff. If you you know, for my dollar, the best legal scenes are whenever James Spader would give a closing argument in um, Boston Legal. Or his the last season of the practice where they started his character, he was the he's he's the best fictional lawyer of any of them. Mm. And I have to say, William Shatner, who I'm a They're tremendous Shatner Scotty fans. Boat. We were we doing some impressions yeah.
0: of him earlier today.
2: <laughs> he is if you if you haven't really watched him in Boston Legal as Denny Crane, where he won two Emmys playing that character. One time when he introduced it on The Practice, and then again um, on Boston Legal, he's brilliant in that show. He is very, very underrated in what he does, and if you want to talk about whose life, you know, we talked about this uh, in a conversation I was having with friends, and this is a good one for for the listeners too. Just based on what you've seen, obviously we don't know what goes on behind closed doors in anybody's life, but just based on what you've seen, if you could step into the shoes of anybody famous and live their life in the way that you imagine they had it, Who's had a life so extraordinary that you'd be interested in in, in living it? And for me, it would be William Shatner. I just think that Mm -hmm. the things that he's done, Mm -hmm. the approach that he's taken, even the last 30 years of his life, this guy is a a guy who comes from a place of yes. You know, does he make a lot of bad stuff? Yeah, but you know why? Because he doesn't know what's going to turn out to be good or bad. Like, you wouldn't have known that Star Trek was going to be the thing. You took a job, and it turned into something, and it led to something else. So you don't say no. He says yes to everything, and all I know is the guy's turning 93 next month. He seems to be knock on wood in great health. He seems legitimately happy. And the guy was in space in his 90s. I mean, he's a top one. Now, I will tell you, <laughs> the other name that came up in the discussion was Hugh Hefner. Oh, yeah. as somebody who that would have been an interesting life to live. What about you guys? Yeah, I've you probably had more than he did. You oh, have... you did
4: not.
0: Five
2: hundred. Uh, yes, but, but how do Center you factor falls. in quality? Is oh, is this just a numbers game? Because I think no. he had numbers and, and quality. Oh yeah, he wasn't he wasn't making any dogs. It was all playmates.
1: Um, I'd probably because I've always wanted to.
4: Yeah, you, did you just say that you had more women than Hugh Hefner? Did you just I don't say think he that
1: had a lot? He just
2: yeah. Well, listen, listen. not seem he like he had a, a lot. He made a statement. The statement, upon coming out of his mouth, seemed to make him happy. <laughs> so, so why, 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 why challenge it? Yeah. You know, at a certain point, you've had enough. It, it, c- comparing numbers, uh, not important. But whose life would you would you be interested in living? Yes,
1: I've always wanted to. I was always fascinated by a rock star. I mean, that's got to be the biggest thrill and the biggest rush when you get on stage. You got hundred thousand people in a stadium just going crazy, and you're up there singing or playing guitar. Uh, I don't know. I think Mick Jagger would be a good one,
2: you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean he's, he's 80 and still going strong. He, he's, and... he's doing his thing. I, I think, uh, the, along those lines, another name that came up in the conversation I had was Paul McCartney, just because he's had so many lives yeah. and all of them seem kind of good, except mm-hmm. for that one bad marriage to that Heather Mills or whatever her name was that, that didn't seem to go well for him. Um, And, of course, he lost Linda, uh, and he seemed to be pretty fond of her. But outside of those two things... Everything else seems to have just been a very, very charmed existence.
5: Tom Brady's doing okay for oh, himself.
2: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah.
5: It's yeah. a cool life. Oh, Tiger Woods is like bulletproof with any scandals. Yeah. I yeah. But pick Tiger Woods. Had you know what? Yeah, you know, I don't want to.
2: Yeah. I don't want to get to took the top one of the one sex mountain. sex addicting
5: class and now he's back to making $700 million a year. Are you kidding me? That dude is absolutely bulletproof. He had four mugshots. A lot of bad Yeah. That's, <laughs> that dude is absolutely. That's true. That's,
2: that is a lot of mugshots. <laughs> um, And he's not looking that good. No Uh, no, knock on Tiger, Mm -hmm. but combination of sort of aging and balding and a lot of time in the sun. I mean, you know, God bless him, but he's not looking like spry (laughs) and and kind of cute like he once was.
0: Here's one for you. I've often thought about this one. Steve McQueen.
2: Yeah, but, you know, here's the problem with Steve McQueen. He died of mesothelioma at 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you do get this great good early 50, part. Yeah, good 20-year I mean, run. Huge movie star, great, you know, exciting movies, and I think uh, uh, what appeared to be a passionate relationship with a very attractive Ally McGraw. But still, I mean, I'm 52. Yeah, that means yeah. I would have had a cash-in two years ago. And uh, with mesothelioma, which yeah, it's not be for, easy I know life. from our industry is not not the way you want to go.
0: Yeah, that's a tough um, one. But they you had get a that good from? 20.
2: You can only get it from asbestos exposure. A, a lot of those yeah. guys, yeah, if you, if you worked on the naval yards, um, you know, from that era if you had a manual job at all as a guy, you were going to have asbestos exposure. Yeah. And then what happened was you got another wave of exposure when all of the crews went in to eliminate, to remove all of the asbestos. And that stuff is just bad. And the ink, it takes about 20 to 25 years for the exposure to manifest itself into what is a signature cancer. I call it a signature cancer because there's no nothing else in the world that can cause a diagnosis of mesothelioma other than inhalation of uh, asbestos. So that's why they call it a signature injury. It's, you don't have to prove anything else. That's the only thing that causes that. It would be like getting shot in the head and saying it was a bullet. Mm. You know, there's okay. simply nothing else mm-hmm. that can do that other than a bullet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's it's, it's not a good way to go. No. You know who else died of mesothelioma? It was? Uh, we have initials? The actor... Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, we well, like
4: guessing games.
2: Okay, his initials <laughs> are PG.
4: P, Paul and he, Gibson?
2: No, and no. He, he was... he he, he He's a person whose name won't jump out at you, but you all know exactly who this guy is. Because he played in a few movies where his part was so memorable that, of course, you're going to know exactly who it is. But you think, geez, that guy
4: got me. Second letter of the first name. A. Paul. Paul. It's Paul. It's Paul. It's not Giamatti. Giamatti.
2: Well, he's still Paul. with us. Second letter second name. And you know what, I think I might have just, I think I know his name. i was going to make sure that oh, I got no. it,
0: right? Do you have one movie that he was in that might uh, help
2: us Where that? Give it away. He would give it away.
0: Okay. I know John Cazale died after an um, unbelievable run of movies, but it was not from Mesothelioma.
2: Um, no, and you know, John Cazale, um, for those that don't recognize the name, he played Fredo in the Godfather movies. Yeah. Yeah. His, his he only made five movies his entire career. Unbelievable. All five. Five of them were nominated for Best Picture, <laughs> and three of them won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Godfather 1, Godfather 2. Deer Hunter. And the Deer Hunter. And Conversation. And then yeah. the Conversation was nominated, but lost to Godfather 2. Right. And they the Afternoon wasn't the afternoon. Uh, nominated for... It was. Best Picture in 1975. And dated lost, Meryl Streep. Lost to it, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And yet Meryl Streep, and they were dating at the time that he, uh, that he yeah. died. Legendary. Um, in fact, uh, uh, again, little uh, known fact there, but had... Um, Had Robert De Niro not put up the insurance bond, uh, they would not have let John Cazale make um, the uh, uh, deer hunter because he was already... Um, he was already diagnosed yeah, and they didn't yeah. know if he would last to finish oh, the picture God. and it was such an expensive movie to yeah, make. So long. They couldn't, nobody would insure him but De Niro Ugh. wanted him to, to play that and, and put it up and so, so cool. yeah. Uh-huh. Rest, in,
0: rest in power, King. So who is this Paul guy?
2: Okay. Uh, well, I will give you a couple of, a couple of his two okay. biggest credits were Die Hard and The Breakfast Club. Oh.
4: Uh, Second letter of the last name, please.
2: I feel like I know who he plays in Die L. Hard. Paul Gleason. Paul Gleason. Okay, you got it. Yeah. Did well, he play
0: like the kind of scumbag in the uh, office at uh at the Nakatomi Plaza in Die Hard? Is that who he kind of played? Um, the guy who's challenging Hans Gruber, like, give me a Coca-Cola
2: or something? No, 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 okay. no, no, that, not that guy. No, he's he's like the head of the FBI on the ground oh, that's messing right, up. Oh, right,
0: right. The guy who, know, like, him and Bruce Willis are, like, in tandem working together? Yeah, now
2: I'm thinking maybe that was William Atherton in, in Die Hard. But Paul Gleason, you obviously knew him immediately. He was the one in, in, in Breakfast Club. You mess with the bull, you get the horns, you mm-hmm. know. You know, the one that kept coming in. I don't know if he was the school dean or the principal or just a teacher. I don't know exactly what his... Uh,
4: when you watch movies with a legal theme, do you ever pick up any good lines? Because those are great writers who are, who are coming up with those scripts. <sighs> you cut these
1: guys loose.
2: Yeah, but I, I don't know that I've ever used them to do anything more than quote them as movie lines, <laughs> you know, like people do. I
1: wonder if, uh, if Reno had problems with uh, Godfather Michael end up killing him. Part two. In Doug Day Afternoon, he became
2: his lover. So you have a guy try to kill me, and yeah. now you're my he lover. Them and Pacino
1: are like best friends. But that's.
2: Yeah. Well, and they had worked together. I, th- I, th- I think they had done some stage work mm-hmm. together a before tongue. they even made any movies. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm dying over here.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm dying uh, over here. That sounds very close to your uh, Rosie Perez as well. You kind of did But same you know what? <laughs> Honestly, I don't think that that's too far off because, you know, Pacino, uh, his voice. It changes. Unrecognizable yeah. from the movies he made in the early and mid '70s. I to, think
0: Alec Baldwin say he kind of sounds like a Southern gentleman now. He kind of has like that weird Southern drawl. With yeah, it.
2: he does have a. I, ever since I, you know, and listen, what's odd is that scent of a woman at this point was the first half of Pacino's career,
5: right? Well, yeah, uh, was which is weird because yeah.
2: that uh, that felt like the, the transition sure. for you know the old voice. You know, you had this dearth in the mid '80s where he didn't do anything. You know, after Scarface, yeah, he, really, he only makes revolution. We don't see him again for six years until he does um the movie uh Glenn, Gary Glenn no the sea. Um Oh Sea of Love. Sea of Love. Yeah. And all of a sudden he's back and his voice is all gravelly, you yeah. know. <laughs> and we're like, what's going on with Pacino's voice? We just assume it's all the smoking.
0: And then he, and he's then sent a woman, or...
2: he's just yeah. you know, he's full, full in, you know.
0: Yeah. Totally. totally. Hoo-ah! <laughs> 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 Hoo-ah. And... Uh, it's 8:52, so we're gonna have to break here and close out our Mung and seven o'clock <laughs> hour. But we always love having you in and talking it over with you. Whether it be baseball, the migratory patterns of geese, famous lives to live, <laughs> your all, it's turkey slices, we love it all.
2: You know, like I do, you know. Now that you put it like that, Mike. My... My God, we've, we've,
0: <laughs> it's a wide we've, range.
4: we've covered the uh,
2: you know
4: <laughs> the whole spectrum, man. We
2: really have. You yeah. didn't think
4: you were going to get into
2: geese when you came? I wasn't was supposed to be on this week. This was an yeah, Andy. This week, was an Andy but, week. But, uh, Andy had to take care of his daughters. His wife is out of town and. Uh, he asked if I would cover the thing. This is three weeks in a row for me now. Yeah. Ask the fans, have <laughs> yeah. you grown tired? Are you weary? No,
4: they never grow tired.
1: Are, are you ready for no. a change? I you can tell you. Know. They got Face... other, things to, other things to be pissed off about. You're fine. Yeah. Oh.
0: Based on the text inbox, uh, you have been a, a welcome surprise or okay. welcome uh, addition to this particular day because the four of us, we got nothing. Mm-hmm. is that right? We were doing That's... Mount Rushmore of Inventions at 7.15 this morning. <laughs> so. Oh,
2: well, and, like, out of curiosity. Printing what, press number oh, one. Yes! 1440. And know, I, the same without right. even, I, I was not here. I did not listen to the discussion. But if the printing press hadn't been on the Mount Rushmore, I would mm-hmm. have known that you got it all wrong. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Well yeah. done. wheel and
6: number where two. Where the, yeah, the
0: wheel was in the Wheel team. and fire got mentioned, <laughs> and then uh, fire Doug's is not an fire invention. That's a discovery.
2: All right. Thank
5: for. you. Thank you. Jesus.
0: Uh, Wheel is an an
5: invention, though. Don't don't pat
0: Doug's back too hard because he also said forklift in there.
5: (laughs) I love the forklift.
2: (laughs) Well, I don't know if I can go along a forklift, but I think there's a strong argument for the crane.
6: (laughs) Doug
4: mentioned the crane
5: as well. Electricity is is an invention, not a discovery. Am I correct? Electricity is there. No, No, it's a discovery.
2: And you invent ways to use it. Exactly. Weak. No, you're exactly right. If you look it up in the almanac, nobody... Nobody invented electricity. Yeah. You, you okay. look to the light see who invented. Then.
5: That's an invention, right? A light bulb sure. is an invention.
2: Okay. A, a tape recorder is an invention. But Symbian? electricity is not a, oh, an invention. It's a, 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 electricity and lightning. Oh yes, that's an invention. Yeah. And did the Civian yeah. make it onto your Mount Rushmore? It
0: made it to a couple of our huh. textures Yeah, I've never used it's one. It's the but, fifth
2: head. You know, uh, I, you haven't used one. You've been replaced by one, yeah. no yeah, doubt, on several occasions. Kind of but I, doubt, I think I take that as a compliment. Right. That they had to leave the natural world. I
1: wish I invented it. I wish I invented the blow up doll. I mean, that was oh huge yeah. early wait, early. Was, was that anything ever
2: more old? than a novelty, though? Okay. I mean, did, did, no. did, as far as you know,
4: that'll change when they become so lifelike oh, yeah. that people. They already own them. are. Though.
5: Well, they it have just, sexy mode yeah, and family, mode. family but, mode. I mean, at what some point, they take care have, of your kids. Wait, at some point, they'll, they'll have
4: robots mode. where you won't be able to tell the difference. We have a, wait a second.
5: We have
0: a drop ad that talks about a sex robot. You know, yeah, and a, and a gentleman says that there is uh, family mode, you know, for like uh, a more domesticated doll. There it is. And then, yeah, please play Oh, Thank he you.
5: didn't have headphones. Though, so oh wait, there. I have headphones. Yeah. I'll put them okay, on. Okay, get that. the headphones. Sure.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. She has romantic. She has family. And she has also sexy modes. See,
1: that-, <laughs> that is the inventor
5: of one of the... And her life-life okay. roles. I,
2: I, underst- I think I understand r- r- the romantic mode, and, and then it sounds like she's got a dirty whore mode. Oh! But what is the family mode I think she could. a sex well, Kind of a domesticated... Is she trying to make
0: a family? You know, like, who, what do you want for breakfast kind of deal. Is she
2: cuddles? Oh, it's like the girlfriend experience. Exactly, exactly. No thank you. <laughs> <That's>, that- <laughs> Why people and- would pay for that experience, you could have that experience. I'll kick you in the balls and <laughs> and... and and make you feel lousy. There you go. You've had the girlfriend
1: experience. I don't believe he ever invented it. I don't think it ever came to fruition. Not yet, Aww. though.
0: Well, there, well, there's so much shame. life left to live. you will get there. That's what I want to that, say. That is a yeah. shame. Ed, thank you All so right. much for joining thank us you, today. Thank we thank always appreciate it. Have a good day, everybody. Said, have yep. a great week. This is going to close out the Munganass 7 o'clock hour as it's 8.56. You're listening to The Morning After, presented to you by Brown and Crouppen.